Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have back with us our friend Ethan Franz of Instruments of Freedom. And unfortunately, Jeff Wilson was not able to join us for this podcast as he had some family stuff going on and had to cancel last minute. So we will get him on the show very soon. Don't you worry, we are currently in the process of figuring out a time that works for all of us. So, instead of canceling the episode, Ethan decided to make a, uh, shall we say, audible, and made a phone call last minute to get his friend Dennis Heil to come on the show. So Dennis came on, and we talked a lot about his military career in the Marines, and then we started talking about uh, leadership, which is big for Ethan right now as he's reading some books about it, and obviously it applies to all of the different segments that we have in life. I mean, leadership is pretty much universal. I mean, if you don't have it, you're you're pretty much SOL. Nonetheless, we had a great time. Dennis was a natural. We had a, we had a lot of fun on the conversation. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. It was it was definitely much better than uh you know not recording and getting something out for you guys. So hopefully, you enjoy. So please, without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have two guests with us, our good friend from Instruments of Freedom, Ethan Franz. What's up, gangsters? How you doing, sir? Good. Doing great. And also, we brought in a special guest because Jeff bailed on us again, but don't worry, we are going to nail him down very soon. He definitely wants to come back on the podcast. It is Dennis Heil. Yes. Yeah, all right. Yeah, right. I kept wanting want to say heel. Like, damn it. I was going to do it wrong. Dennis, how you doing, sir? Good, good. Well, Glad welcome to, to the show. Thank you. Uh, it is obviously a very lucrative and wonderful place to be. My Absolutely. basement on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. <laughs> well, obviously, Ethan has been on the show. Yep. Uh, you guys have heard him before. Dennis, you have not been on the show. So why don't you give us a little bit maybe of a background about who you are, maybe how you know Ethan and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I grew up here in Wayne County. Okay, so Northeast Ohio. Um, yep. Joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Uh, spent a little over 13 years in the Marine Corps. 13 years, wow. Yep. Got out, moved back here in 2015. Where did the uh, Marine Corps take you? Where were you stationed mostly? So, first duty station was out in Hawaii. In oh, <laughs> that's a bad, oh, man, that's such a horrible one to have. Right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Loved it out there. I, I'm just looking for any excuse to move back to Hawaii. That's that's not a huge surprise. Um, spent four and a half years living there, then transferred from Hawaii to South Carolina to the uh, Marine Corps Air Station down in Beaufort, and spent my last, what is that, roughly eight, nine years in South Carolina. So just those two duty stations, really? Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. I didn't... It's actually kind of a boring career. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in today, I, mean, I spent a little bit of time overseas. In today's day lot. and age, that's probably a good thing because lots of people you talk to, they get shot at and blown up a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yep. So what uh, what drew you into the Marine Corps when you were younger? Is it something you maybe <laughs> your family had done? Something you've always wanted to do? What, what kind of drew you into that career path? So when I was a, a kid, like in grade school, it would have been during Desert Storm. Um, my dad's the woman that he had dated for a long time. Her brother was a tank mechanic in the Marine Corps. Okay. He was in Desert Storm, and I remember he had come home and he'd gotten leave, so he, he came back home and he ended up being my babysitter one night so they could go out on a date. <laughs> date nights are always important? Absolutely, yeah. So I got to spend the next, I don't know what it was, five, six hours listening to all the war stories. That is how I learned what a rate radius is. Okay, and how old were you? Probably six or seven. Okay, so that's six or seven is going to be very, very imprinting yes. the time in your life. So that, yeah. I could see that drawing you towards that. I had to learn what a radius was, so that way I would understand how a grenade worked. <laughs> yes. Important lessons but, to teach a six-year-old. <laughs> yes, but from that moment on, I knew it. Like, I, I had no interest in college, nothing. I knew I was joining the Marine Corps after high school. Okay, and I, I think that, that happens to a lot of kids who want to join the military, they, whether it be family, mm-hmm. like they, they talk to their maybe their grandfathers or their dads or uncles or what have you, and they they just like, hey, like I want to do that too. That sounds awesome. I want to mm-hmm. c- carry on that tradition. I want to serve my country, you know, and I mean, it sounds, it sounds I mean, it sounds stupid. I think it sounds great. It's like some people are very patriotic and they want to serve their country. Like there's there's yes. a there's a big part of myself that uh, looks back and like, oh, man, I wish I would have joined. Like I think I could have made a good soldier. But then there's the other part of me that's like, well, shit, that I would have like gone downrange with all my buddies who mm-hmm. did all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, maybe I wouldn't have come back. I don't know. And I obviously had a little bit of a different circumstance with a very young daughter when I was way too young and so it's like i have responsibility to, to do that so i use yeah. that as my excuse not to go in and there's obviously the part of me that's like well i should have and the other part of me is like i'm glad i didn't so it's it, it is what it is it's the catch-22 there's i mean, i did 13 years and yeah there's not a day that goes by that i don't think to myself i could have done more so like more in the marine corps yeah. okay yeah so what was your uh, job in the uh, marine corps is it called the mos or is that, is yeah, that the mos army? okay MOS. Uh, I started out as 6072, which is aviation support equipment mechanic. Okay, so what does that mean? Basically, uh, all of the equipment that you would see at an airport, except for the planes. You know, all the the tractors, the... Because there's there's obviously lots of equipment there that people don't think of. Yeah, so that's what I... I fixed that stuff, basically. Okay. That's what I did. Um, I did that from the time I joined up until 2000 eight or nine i think it was when i was stationed in south carolina the marine corps had created a new mos and i was one of was it 25 people that they selected to start that up and get that going Um, so at that time my mos changed to mobile facilities program which was a new job it was something that had been going on. Okay, um, but it didn't have like a specific right. What it was um, was on, on the uh, on the aviation side for the Marine Corps, we had specialty built twenty foot shipping containers. Okay, they were, but inside they were different types of workspaces, so they could be configured different ways. Um, the configuration on the inside basically determined what kind of an asset that specific facility provided you with. Okay, so we and you could link these things together to create big work facilities out of them. Um, and that's where all of, so a part breaks on a jet, the mechanic takes it off the jet, sends it back to whatever department they fix it there inside these facilities and then it can go back. Okay. That's a very dumbed down version. Of I, it. That's okay. <laughs> I need the dumbed down version. I know me. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so up until that point in time, what it was was they took um, my original MOS. You had mechanics and you had electricians. So they would use the electricians as the primary staff to maintain these facilities. Every work center that utilized the facilities would have to give up, you know, one person for every 15 or 20 facilities that they had to come work for us okay. to help maintain them. Um, so basically we're getting, we were getting people on a six to 12 month rotation that even though they were electricians or mechanics in their specific fields, they were never formally trained how to do the maintenance on these facilities. Okay. Um, so that's what eventually I believe spurred the Marine Corps to finally go ahead and create a separate MOS. It makes just sense. For doing Shit that. breaks. So you got to fix exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. It made our jobs a lot easier now instead of having to train new people every six months. You know, by the time you and get somebody mention, trained I'll well. I'll bet you it makes it better for budgets and all that kind of stuff, too, mm-hmm. where you can get funding to oh, do sure the things does. that need to get done, where normally they'd probably just like, well, we can't do that because we don't have the money or the time right. or the energy to do it. So, But that program is what made the Marine Corps so readily deployable. Okay. Um, essentially utilizing that, that mobile facilities program, as we called it, um, that allowed us to have any, whether it be fixed wing or rotary wing squadron, you know, jets or helicopters, um, in country, anywhere in the world, fully self-supporting for a minimum of, I think one to three months or some shit like that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Within two weeks, anywhere in the world. Well, that's, that's pretty quick. Obviously that's kind of the idea is like, you need to be able to get anywhere you need to is strap the shit down, close the doors, throw it on a boat or a jet or something, fly it over there and we'll link them back together. Use diesel generators for power. Yep. Yep. Make it we happen. Build anywhere from a one acre to a ten acre, you know, just massive complexes of these things. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think people understand sometimes the, the scale of all the stuff that's needed for right. for that kind of stuff. They think, oh, the troops are out there and they've got mm-hmm. some tents and they're like, no, it's way more sophisticated than that. They've got supply chains and maintenance on all these kind of things and everything mm-hmm. else and the fuel and the food and supporting everybody else out there. It's it's yeah, yeah it's, logistics. It's, it's way crazy. more way more impressive, I think, than other people give it credit for because yeah. they, they don't well, think about. Let's let's uh let's go back to the wayback machine again here. So back through like junior high and high school. So you mm-hmm. knew from a young age, from talking to your tanker buddy, yeah. that uh, you were going to go <laughs> into the, the armed services, maybe the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And um, so how are you preparing yourself for that? Were you like like super focused on it? Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to run and train for boot camp and do all these kind of things. Or were you just like a normal kid, which is kind of in like in the back of your head, playing sports and doing that kind of stuff? Yeah, I was just a shithead kid. That's all. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing to prepare other than walk into the recruiter's office. Fair enough. Um, I remember the the drive down there. My dad was taking me down, and I remember him asking me what I wanted to do. I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll just go be a rifleman. You know. That sounds like fun. Shoot guns all the time. I mean, it does sound like fun as, as a young <laughs> right. kid. Yeah, as a kid, yeah. He goes, well, what are you going to do when you get out? I was like, I don't know. That's a good question to have asked. Start thinking about yeah. that stuff at a younger age. Yeah, I think he, he made the, the, like the comment, something to the effect of, you know, other than being a cop. That, that seems to do? be a, a very normal transition for a lot of those guys. Well, they yeah. come back and either work security or in the police, maybe even the fire, like those kind of service industries. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that, yeah, that the service, like you said, helping others. Yes. Um, there's definitely, I think, a deep-seated passion within anybody who serves in any branch of the military. Well, I mean, I think that you would almost have that to go <laughs> in in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to, like, serve your country or your neighborhood, community, what have you, and go help others, you wouldn't be drawn to that kind of position. you want to probably go do something else when you were younger. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. So any sports or anything to just stay active, stay fit, or are you just no, a shithead I was, I was like smoking, hot, smoking pot outside <laughs> and the bleachers? <laughs> and maybe a couple times. Yeah. Oh, we've, we've, all, we've all been there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried a few different sports. I never never got big into it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, I was always an active kid, so I was always in good shape and stuff. I mean, fitness wasn't really much of an issue. I was skinny little shit you know i was only like 130 pounds when i graduated <laughs> high school that's pretty small yeah be a good wrestler <laughs> yeah because well there's nobody else that small <laughs> well see and i tried that but man did i suck at wrestling yeah it, it looks like a tough sport <laughs> oh it was around here you know these kids get into it five years old oh easily yeah like being i didn't enough. do it till a freshman in high school oh, like, that I was, was my problem yeah i didn't <laughs> i mean by the time i was doing it they were like those kids were good, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, here I'm getting. I actually had to wrestle like a four-time state nominee, and I'm like, yeah, no, this guy's got to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, sure, I'll put up a fight, but uh, you win, bro. Yeah, yeah. Be- being into jujitsu now, it's yeah. like shit. I wish I would have wrestled, but being as tall as I am, my family is like, oh, you need to play basketball. You need to play basketball, and by by like freshman year of high school, I was like, I'm done with all this shit mm-hmm. and the politics and the BS, and I'm done. Wow. Yeah. So that was my problem in school. So whether we like to admit it or not, it's not the system is flawed, and so I didn't uh, have yeah, the right last name. Yeah, because there's people involved. <laughs> yeah, and so I didn't have the right last name, so I was never an honored student or a sports star or anything like that, and then. I think by freshman year, by the time I realized that, I'm like, man, you know, all these jokers think that they're doing this and doing that and they're so cool. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go to work. I'm just going to go make some money, you know. And then by the time I'm out of high school, I'll have some money and I can go do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah, it's a little different than most other people through that. (laughs) Yeah, so I was just like, man, I'll just go to work. (laughs) All right, so why get out at 13 years from the Marine Corps and not try to stick it in until 20 to get your retirement? I tried. Uh, got denied reenlistment. Okay. I ended up having a court-martial on my record. I was charged with a DUI in Port Royal, South Carolina in 2012, I think it was. So just got into a little bit of trouble and then couldn't stay in? Basically, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It was, I mean, I've got my own opinions on it. Of I th- course. I think there was definitely some... Some bullshit and jackassery that took place. And unfortunately, that's that's very common. But the problem is, is now you're fighting this huge system, and there's nothing that you can really do about it unless you're going to hire some freaking special lawyers out of New. Well, who is that seal that got into all kinds of trouble? Eddie Gallagher. Uh, That sounds right. I remember so. listening to a podcast. I think it was on um, Cleared Hot with Andy Stump. Yeah, he was facing some war crime charges. Yeah, but the, yeah. with the like the military themselves, like the Navy, or yeah. whoever was providing their lawyers, and they were just fucking him over hardcore. And as soon as his family was able to find out actually what was going on and figure all those mm-hmm. kind of things, which was I think years after him, or maybe maybe even that years, maybe it was months. I don't remember. But it was a long damn time mm-hmm. of him being in the dark and not knowing what was going on and like being stuffed in these rooms, going through all these like interviews. Well, they're basically interrogations, what they were. And it's like until they actually got like an outside lawyer to come, like, no, you can't do this shit. Mm-hmm. And the Navy's like, fuck, we can do whatever we want to. We own his ass. And it's like, so yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that there's some 
other uh, things behind the, the curtain, so to speak. You know, and part of it, I get it. I mean, I don't hold uh, – there's not a, well, here, I don't have a bad taste here's in the my thing. mouth against the military you fucked because up, of it. Yep. And it's like you got to own up to that, take your punishment. Yeah. And unfortunately, it, it probably was a little bit harsher than it needed to be, realistically. Absolutely. Yeah. Most likely is what happened. Yeah. Like, hey, we can make an example of this asshole. We can get him gone. We can fuck his life over. It's not going to hurt us any. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it ended up uh, – for me, it ended up working out just fine. In the long how run. so? Um, so, the incident took place off base. It was out in town. Um, but essentially, what happened was, you know, they arrested, wrote the ticket, whatever. The, the city did the charges and stuff. And then the following day, they turned me over to the military police who then took all the paperwork. Yeah, that, sounds pretty standard. Yeah. So, but I watched what <laughs> – I guess what bothered me was to see the military police bring the, the civilian paperwork back and lay it out on the table and then go get their versions of the, the exact same thing and then just sit there and copy and it. Just yeah, by fill hand. it out, yeah. Yeah. Um I had several friends that told me I should talk to congressmen and get them involved in stuff because they didn't agree with the way that the shit went, but um because I was a staff sergeant at the time, it goes up to the highest command level they handled the punishment they did the court martial they ended up reducing me in rank um but then they kick it back down to my unit to do administrative separation paperwork so that's where i got lucky <laughs> was they ended up not doing that okay yeah uh, i got i remember getting called down to my major's office the one morning about a month or two after the court martial uh he asked if i knew i was there i didn't have a clue because you really don't I said, no, no, sir. He goes, well, this folder right here is your administration separation paperwork. He said, but your warrant officer and your captain were both down here jumping up and down on my desk telling me I shouldn't file this. He goes, so for now, it's just going to sit here. About three months went by, and he called me back down. He goes, you remember this? I was like, yes, sir. He goes, as far as I'm concerned, there's nobody in this command that outranks me that was here when this happened. So, you're good. And he tossed it in the trash can. Nice. Now, mind you, the court-martial's still on my record. So, one year goes by, my enlistment's so, coming up. Uh, so, and... for somebody who doesn't know what that means, what does that mean for you, the court-martial? Like, do you lose all your rank and you get kicked out? or? Well, so for the military, there's, there's three different levels. You've got, um, if I can remember correctly, summary, special, and then general court-martial. A summary court-martial... Uh, is basically slap on the wrist. Nothing goes on your civilian record, which is, is what they ended up doing for me. Um, they can demote you, which they did. They took my rank. Okay. And, and that's what, so that sounds that's, just like that's a, what ended my career. But that just sounds like a normal kind of punishment. Like, Hey, you fucked up. We're going to not knock you back a couple of steps. No big deal. But the court martial sounds like, like a holy shit. Like you're going to get, busted down to whatever and then kicked out <laughs> and now you're a, a shame to your country and all this kind of stuff. I, again, I don't well, know what it means. So like a, a general court-martial, yes. A special or general court-martial, I probably would have been sitting in front of a jury of my peers. Um, but because it was just a summary, it was me, the lieutenant colonel that was the court-martialing officer. Yeah, like one of the higher-ranked yeah. people on base, right? My captain yeah. and my warrant officer as witnesses. That was it. Okay. Just sitting in the, the office. Yep, I stood there in front of his desk, you know, and he read all the charges and stuff. Uh, he asked me if I had anything to say. You know, I made a few comments. He asked 
my officers what if they had comments. Uh, I had a character witness that called. And then afterwards, mm, what got me was he asked me what I thought my punishment should be. And I told him, I said, sir, I think you should max out every punishment you can except do not take my rank. Because I think at that point I had been in, I was at like the 11-year mark, which higher tenure for sergeants was 10 years, had been reduced to 10 years. So to make it past 10 years, you had to get promoted to staff sergeant. Otherwise, you would get forced out. Okay. So if they reduced me from staff sergeant back down to sergeant, that would mean that the end of my enlistment, I was getting out. Because you weren't high enough rank. Exactly. Okay. So that was the one thing. I asked him, I said, do not take my rank. I said, you take my rank, you have officially ended my career. Give me the opportunity to prove myself. And I was a staff sergeant. And he looked at me and he said, well, if you were a sergeant, you'd have been sent to NJP and they would have taken your rank. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it sucks, but what are you going to do with it? Again, because they make the decisions. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. You got obviously... Yeah. Everybody in your chain of command fighting to keep you, which, which right. is good. I mean, that, yeah. that, that speaks to your character. It's like, hey, I fucked up. I, I did it. Okay, punish me. Let's work on it. But don't don't get me kicked out because of this is what right. you were trying to say. That, it's like, yeah, hey, I will take yeah. any punishment. I fucked up. But as soon as you take my rank, now I'm done. So, okay, that makes but sense. because they ended up not doing an administration separation. Yes. Okay. They, I got to finish out my enlistment, which means I got out with an honorable discharge. Yes. I've retained all of my benefits. Awesome. So, if yep. so, and I feel like today I am happier right now in well, life if, than where, than what I would be. But you don't probably. know that obviously because everything, everything yeah. could be differently, but you've made the best of it because they mm-hmm. didn't screw you over so bad <laughs> that you couldn't, Make it as a civilian because right. if you have the dishonorable discharge and all those kind of things, oh, yeah, that creates yes. much more problems. If I understand correct, correctly. yeah, Fair yeah, enough. and because of the the low level of court martial, there's nothing went on my civilian record. Good, yeah, good. Now, if you get like a, a special or a general court martial, that's that's no different. A general court martial is no different than going to court for a felony. Okay, out in town, it's it stays on your record forever even after you're out of the military. Yeah, and I, just, I assume when you said court-martial, that's exactly what it was. Right, again, that's I, most, I, I don't know what it all means. A few so, good men is what pops into everybody's I, head usually, I, I think, I, when you say court-martial. I think I saw that once. I, I don't know. <laughs> that's been a long time. I don't remember. You can't handle the truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a Shawshank Redemption kind of guy. Yeah. That's still a great movie. <laughs> oh, it's one of the best movies yes, ever. Yes, I forgot how great it was until yes. a handful of years ago when I borrowed it from a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I forgot oh, how yeah. good this was. Oh, Oh, God. I always <laughs> reference that movie with a friend of mine. He always jokes, says he's going to sell off all the stuff and move to Mexico, you know, just disappear. <laughs> and I always tell him, I said, well, just send me a postcard. And, and he'll go, you know the name of the town. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's that town that they're talking about. Zawatanayo. Zawatanayo. <laughs> and so, I haven't watched that in forever. Oh, it's so good. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that, that kind of catches us up. Well, I guess uh, what would you do after the military get us caught up to now? Um. Well, so real quick, while I was in the Marine Corps, when I was stationed in Hawaii, I got the opportunity to go to what they called coach's course, get a, uh, I think it's considered an alternate MOS, um, combat marksmanship coach. Okay. So, so to teach. So whenever, whenever my unit sent Marines to the range for their annual qualification, they would have to send so many coaches or whatever long to help, you know, as like staff kind of for the range. So were you like in charge of, um, 
maybe like firearms training or like you were like were you a nah. range officer for your no, department no, no, no. or it was just it was you a, were like certified to go to help yeah so as a coach when we went through the the school the coaches course school was i think it was two weeks long if i remember correctly like you had to be a i think you had to shoot expert at least two times in a row to qualify to go to the school okay um go to the school it's two weeks and it's all about uh learning <clears throat> just the basic fundamentals so as a coach I would be right up on the shooting line behind the shooters and I would help them, you know, Hey, maybe make this little adjustment or if they had questions and stuff, I would work with them. Now in 2011 or 12, I think it was, I ended up when I was in South Carolina, I got to go to Paris Island to the, um, it's, I'm trying to remember the exact terminology for it. The combat marksmanship instructor. Okay. School. Which obviously would be better than being a coach, being an instructor. Well, yeah. So that and and that sounds the title's very misleading. So what the the, the course is is I think it was three weeks long and it is a, a professional instructor's course. It's okay. kind of a, a condensed professional instructor's course. It's okay. all about the the techniques and the methods of teaching. Marksmanship just happens to be the topic that you are covering in every class that you teach. Yes. But two the I think the first two days were the only the only days where the instructors that ran the course were actually teaching us anything from that point on all the students, you, you would, uh, we had a folder and there were all these different classes in the folder. You would go home that afternoon. All right. This is the class that you have to teach tomorrow morning. It's a 30 minute class. So now I've got one night to try and, you know, memorize the materials, prepare for the class. And I mean, it was crazy, but yeah, I would, teach a class to like stuffed animals and pictures in my barracks room to, to get ready for the yes, to, to practice. Yeah. Cause a, it's, a, it's, a lot of, a lot of people don't think about that, especially like if you're in school and you're giving a presentation or a talk or anything like that, if, if you haven't done it a bunch of times, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of crazy. So if, if you can practice yeah. even to just yourself or the room or imagine what's going on, like you can get so many good reps in like it, I mean, people talk about this in sports about like visualization. Mm -hmm. They say mm -hmm. like that's actually more important than actually practicing. Well, there was a right. study done yeah. with, with the people doing uh, free throws. And they had mm -hmm. three different groups. Uh, first group practiced so many shots a day or whatever it was. The second group visualized making every single shot so many times a day, whatever that. I mean, for like a certain amount of time. I yeah. forget that how that was. And the third group did nothing. And obviously, they came out and shot like free throws up first to get a benchmark and they came back after so much time i forget how long it was and the people that actually did the the visualization did better than the people that actually practiced really? it, it was crazy to see it could have just been a fluke could have been an off day but it does show the power of your mind because when you're practicing you're going to miss a bunch but when you're right. vi visualizing everything do, doing it perfectly like there's there's a lot of power to that i think so you're it, a little more confident yeah well and absolutely I, you know i'm sure that's probably big majority of the reason why dry fire practice works as well as it does well, i mean some of because that obviously I'm sure that, you know some, i know when some, i do it some of that I'm obviously when you're talking about the too. firearms specifically and for i mean ex explain dry fire for people who don't know what it is uh just simply a, an unloaded completely safe firearm all you're doing is squeezing the trigger on an empty chamber yep. and letting it go click exactly so you're going to bring it up usually get a sight picture on something squeeze exactly. the trigger, yes. you, you make sure that front sight doesn't jerk imagining around imagining that the gun is loaded absolutely you're doing it exactly but I as think, you would but i think that's a little different because you're actually practicing the mechanics well yeah right it's like so how, how do i pull back straight without flinching or pulling it down or sideways or what have you so mm -hmm. that might be even a little bit different 
than just the visualization. Yeah. But but still, it's it's very powerful, mm-hmm. right? So so you're practicing for this, you know, presentation you're giving the next day on a oh, topic yeah, you I didn't just, know I, about. I blew the first one completely out my ass. Yeah. Which, so which is normally what it's happens. Thirty minutes, right? You've got <laughs> you have to teach a thirty minute class. Um, automatic failures are you've got a five minute window, plus or minus. If you finish more than five minutes early, fail. Yeah, which I think, more than five I think a lot of people do because they get nervous. They talk fast. Oh my god, this one's exactly. Ah. Yep, like, and nope. that's exactly what I did. Too. That's what everybody does. Uh huh. Yep, I got up there and because you couldn't like they told us, you know, they would tell you, yeah, you can have like flashcards or notes on the podium, but if you got caught looking at them, that was points off. We, yeah, but I think all good speakers have bullet points. Oh yes, and they have the bullet points to make sure they're staying on topic. Mm-hmm. And to keep them going. So you're supposed to come back, look at your bullet points. Yeah, we're good on there. I'm on to the next one. Here we go. And then you start talking about your other topics. You're not sitting there reading, right. this is what we're doing. We're going to talk about this today because I said, like, no, you can't read it. You've, yeah. you've got to have ideas and then know what you're already going to say and have practiced that beforehand because if not, things get bad. Well, yeah, the better you know the material as the instructor. The, Absolutely. The, that, I mean, I think. That's probably hands down the most important thing. Well, that, that's you also have got to fully understand. But that's also a great thing is because teach. as you're understanding it to learn to teach it to someone else, you'll actually get better at it yourself. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree 100 percent on that. Okay, so so you're back there. You blow the first one. Oh yeah. So yeah, failed the first one, which meant my second day of teaching, I had to teach two classes. Okay. I had to redo the first one that I failed, and then and study I had for to a do new one. A, the one that I would normally do. Okay. And if you fail two, you're done. You get kicked out of the course. You get sent back to your unit with adverse paperwork, and it just doesn't look good. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So I did not want to fail, and I didn't. Um, it was really – it was interesting because the group was only a small group. I think there's eight of us maybe. So even that is not like standing in front of a big crowd. Yeah, but for teach. most people, I mean – People say they're actually more afraid of speaking in public than of yeah. death. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's Statistics like, show that. Who doesn't sit up at night like freaking out about dying because we don't know what's going to happen? Like, I mean, who's, who's more afraid of talking in front of people than that? What, what's the worst case scenario? They laugh at you because you said something stupid? I say yes. stupid shit all the time. Like, so yeah, what? Yeah, but everybody mm-hmm. has a fragile ego. Nobody wants to be wrong in front of a large group of people. But, but we're all going to be wrong. We're all going to say stupid shit. Like, just yeah, admit it, move on, laugh it right. off. Like, it, sh- it should be no big deal. It should be. Yeah. But it is. It, oh, it, trust but, me, it, but you know, I mean, it just is because again, that's it's it's just the peer-induced pressure of uh, other people. You know, nobody really wants to have people think negatively of them, so they're gonna try extra hard, and then and then when that is a possible outcome, especially when all the attention in the room is focused on that one individual, absolutely, that makes them afraid. That's what people are afraid of. Yeah. They're not afraid of speaking in public. They're afraid of the repercussions of saying the wrong thing. Fair enough. The, the failure of not being right. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess well, I, I, mean, I know how stupid I am. So I, I know it's like, I'm going to be wrong all the time. It's okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong all the time, too. <laughs> but, uh, it's not uncommon to be, if you're a speaker or an instructor, to be challenged by a student. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's not an uncommon thing. It well, happened to me it's, quite it's, a bit. It should be a good thing because... It, I always tell people this. Like, I learned this a long time ago. It's like, if you can't describe or explain why you believe what you believe, mm-hmm. then it doesn't mean anything. Well, you don't understand it well enough. Then. Exactly. It's like, so then you got to dig back into it. So if somebody asks you a question that you don't have an answer for, it's like, well, then maybe I need to dig more into what I believe or why I believe this. Whereas, like, especially when you're teaching something, 
is that I found that if you can explain to people why you're teaching them what you're teaching them, they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. if they challenge you, be like, you know what? You have a great point. I need to think about that more. I will look at that and I will get back to you. But there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I haven't thought about that. That's an yep. excellent point. That brings up a great part because that will make you a better teacher oh, yeah. going forward. Yeah, I'm not, I was never the type to try and bullshit an answer. Like, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I would just... And obviously, there's times for that, especially, mm-hmm. like, I was... Andy Stump was talking about this when, when he, uh, when he got injured in the SEAL teams and he brought, was brought back to, to rehab and was brought as an instructor, uh, for, for buds. And he was in the second phase in uh, the dive course, I believe. Uh, he was in pool competency, but he, he had talked about how, um, he was like first jumping out there and somebody was like asking questions that he didn't know the answer to because he was a new instructor mm-hmm. and he's like this isn't the point to ask questions you do what i tell you <laughs> blah 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 and then later he goes over the other, other instructors like yeah what do i have the answer for this what's going on so it's like it's like there are times where you can kind of like blow blow them out but again you're not going to lie to him you're not going to shine right. him on and tell him bullshit you don't know but like this isn't the time for questions we could talk about that later because i need to find out the answer too shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's okay it's okay but again i look at it like just just say that honestly and talk uh-huh. about it. Most people will be okay with that. Now, I do, I do want to make it clear. So combat marksmanship coach, combat marksmanship instructor, like these are, you know, when I'm telling students down at the, the store when they're going through our CHL class or whatever, I'm telling them about my background. I see their eyes get all big. I'm like, whoa. Now, mind you, these are titles that sound way more badass than what they <laughs> actually are. Like all I was doing was I was – Literally teaching the basics of basics, the most basic fundamentals. But that's what's most important. Because if yeah. you can do the basics well, they work. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's a reason yeah. why they're the basics, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's in anything in life. Yep. All right. So, so to get us caught up, so after the military, so you you were doing all these courses, which gave you these big titles that most people are very right. impressed by. But you're essentially <laughs> yeah. learning the basics of mark, marksmanship. Mm-hmm. So, so is that is what led to us like outside of the military? Well. Now? One thing that I noticed, so then once I finished the school, you know, now anytime my unit is sending Marines, I have to go. We have to teach them. We have to reiterate the classes before they go to the range that they learn in boot camp. And it's just like two or three days at the theater uh, the week before they go to the range. So that was the first big group. And that's anywhere from two to three hundred Marines sitting in this theater. Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> standing up on this stage. Um What's crazy though is, so then after that's, I could start to see, I guess that's what got me into wanting to instruct, like, or kind of built the passion is when you would see that little light bulb go off. Like yeah. See you, the glint in their eye. when, when the aha they re- Yes, exactly. Yes. And I don't know. I just, I love that, that aha moment. It just, that's what drives me. Knowing that I helped them learn something new or something that they didn't know before. Uh, so when I got out, Came back home, looking around for jobs. Didn't have any luck for about the first month and a half. Um, Nothing for maintenance or repair. Well, or and that's like what I was that. looking for. I was submitting uh, resumes like from for, what your job was. Exactly, like, hey, for like, like what, facilities maintenance what can I do manager for this? type yeah. positions. Um, and I forget how I had. Uh, I had, I think I got an email from a recruiter on LinkedIn one day. Um, and I looked at it and it said, uh, instructor position for a company that makes golf course equipment and snow removal equipment. But there was the word instructor. That's what caught my eye. Yes. 
So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm interested. Give me more info. Um, turns out it was for Ventrac over in Orville, the tractor manufacturer. Um, and I ended up getting the job. And for the first three and a half years I was there, I was their technical instructor. Okay. Phenomenal company. Loved it. Um, spent three and a half years going to dealers and distributors all over the world, uh, training their mechanics on how to, you know, maintain, troubleshoot, and repair our equipment. Okay. Uh, after that, I had transitioned into a, an international sales role and then was there for about another eight months before I ended up leaving. Uh, but those, just teaching, and especially that, I mean, when these, these mechanics are learning about a new piece of equipment, and you can tell, like, a lot of them would have questions. Hey, I came across this. Yes. Right? And I had a hard time figuring this out or whatever. And, um, oh, yeah, here, here's this little trick, right? And just, bing, yes. that light bulb goes that, that's, off. That's the great like, thing oh, because, again, you. like they know how to fix certain things, but mm-hmm. they just came across this one little trouble. So how do I shortcut it and fix the problem? Oh, yeah, okay. And then once they get it, then they'll always remember that. That's now, how that works. Imagine you're that 55, 60-year-old, very seasoned mechanic, and you've got a 35-year-old kid standing in front of you telling you how you need to be doing things. So that's where the, the students will – Occasionally, you know, you get some of those guys that would want to question me and try and question my credibility. Yes. Um, and again, if I knew the answer, I'd give it to them. If I didn't, hey, let's go. When we get done with class today, we'll run over to engineering department. We'll talk to some of the engineers, the guys that can really give you that answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just now people, well, when I would tell family members after I moved home, that, yeah, this is what I do now. I work for Ventrack and do this. And they're just like, what? Because as a kid... Uh, I believe it was my second grade year at Smithville Elementary. My teacher actually wanted to hold me back a year because they didn't think I had the social skills to progress. <laughs> That's how shy I was. Just literally, I was just that shy as a yeah, kid. Yeah, but the the sco- and now the schooling system that <laughs> we're in now is so ridiculous because you've got all this bullshit that like all these teachers believe and all this kind of stuff, and they're pushing it on these kids. Like not even just politically. It's not even yeah, about but that. it wasn't oh, that God. way so much. But it was, it's not about that so much as. They, they've got this mold. And if you don't fit their mold, then we need to hold them back or we need to do this or they need special classes or whatever. And it's like, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Some people just learn differently. Oh, and yeah. and what, what they found with you is like you were shy in class, maybe because you didn't have lots of friends or didn't have like a older sibling. Or maybe it was just you. Maybe you were just more introverted. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But as soon as there's something that you're passionate about, which is obviously teaching, you enjoy instructing and teaching and, and helping people out and doing those kind of things. So once you're there... Like, you can be personable and amazing and talk to people because, yeah. again, it's something that you enjoy. Whereas at school, if it's school, it's like, oh, who cares? I'm here because I have to be and I'll do this class because whatever. But it's just, it's just like them trying to hold you back for for their stupid reasons. It's like, no, like they're just different than the regular mold. Like, let them be different. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I feel like a lot of that goes back to um, the same thing that we were talking earlier about, driving people to join the military. Is that wanting to help others? Yes. Like, for me, it's – it's not the idea that I know something you don't know. Like that doesn't, that's not what makes me happy to, to teach. It's, it's the idea that I'm helping you learn something that you didn't know. Yes. You know, I don't care that I knew it before you did. Um, it's just it's simply that helping others. Yeah. So everyone in your family's freaking out because you're going out and talking to all these different people. <laughs> well, they're just given... surprised. Okay. They're, they, yeah. A lot of my family that hadn't seen me for a long time and stuff, they were surprised to find out that shy, you know, Dennis who, would run off and hide if somebody <laughs> said hi, hello to him as a kid is now, you know, teaching classes of 
hundreds of people sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Yeah. So so where did that job lead you? Retirement, basically. <laughs> Led me down to IOF, essentially. Okay. And yeah, when I left when I left Ventrac, uh, I was – basically, I was planning on not working at all anymore because um, I ended up with my disability after getting out of the Marine Corps. And then I had seen – I had been downtown, you know, a few times, drove past the IOF store, and, you know, I noticed this <laughs> – looks like a gun store i gotta go check this out one day and sure enough i walked in there and jeff and ethan were in there and got to bullshitting with them and kind of been stuck there ever since seems like stuck there i think it might might be a choice because i don't think they're holding you captive no No, i went i went in and i i think i remember talking to to ethan and jeff a little bit and just you know asking them hey do you guys need help this is what i did in the marine corps you know explain my background to them and said i'd love to help out if i can not that I was necessarily looking for a job or anything. Yeah. You came yeah. in with My a... plan was to not work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. You came in with a resume and everything. You had a whole resume. Jeff out. asked me I know, for that. I know. <laughs> so that's that's the only reason I even brought that in. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him fool you. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So you've been down there helping out teaching classes, mm-hmm. like working in the shop. Like what, what are we doing there? Just whatever they need me what, to do. Well, th- that doesn't exactly narrow things down for our listeners there, Danny. <laughs> Cleaning. Cleaning the gym, making sure the mats are sanitized. You know, I'll help out uh, teach some of the classes. Um, you know, usually, very rarely does a class get taught where there only ends up being one instructor with the students out on the range. You know, usually if we're yeah, going, once we're going to the range, we got multiple have instructors. Multiple people yeah, so like there. Ethan yeah. and I work together. Because some people need more at- attention than other people, mm-hmm. especially if they're brand new, mm-hmm. which is the perfect reason to go to you guys and yep. take classes. Like I talk about this all the time with my friends. Like I've I've been known as the gun guy in most of my because like I've worked in obviously offices and stuff for most of my career, mm-hmm. and most of these people are like up in like the Cleveland, Akron, you know, Canton areas and stuff, and they're not used to growing up around firearms and doing that kind of stuff. Granted, I wasn't either. I didn't get into it till like after college. But it's like they look at me like, oh, hey, I got a gun. I did whatever. Like, that's awesome. Good for you. That's amazing. Like, let's go get some actual training because mm-hmm. you need like real training. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I got my concealed handgun license. Like, that's an eight-year-old hunter safety course that the Ohio – legislative people deemed yeah. necessary for you to carry a loaded weapon on your person, which is fucking asinine. Yeah. It's like, okay, so let's go to guys like, you know, Ethan and Jeff, like Einstein's for Freedom. Let's get some actual classes here. Like, this is amazing. Let's mm-hmm. go. And so I, I push that a lot. So, But sometimes people come in and they've never shot before. So like they might need a person to be with them the entire time oh, yeah. to teach them the yeah. basics, make sure they're safe, make sure everybody around them is safe. So, yeah, so you need multiple people on the range. So that's it's great to have extra help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind putting myself at risk. I will not put another student at risk. Absolutely. <laughs> but again, you know that going yeah. in yeah. is that, you know, firearms are dangerous. Like, we're containing explosions here. Like, yeah. this this is important. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nope. Um, just strolled yeah, in just, one day. Just strolled in one day and... Hasn't left since. I mean, we basically told him, like, you know, we don't really have a position for you, but... I mean, just like we tell everybody else, I mean, you're more than welcome to come down and hang out. And I mean, let's let's be honest. Like a lot of people do like to head down to the shop, yeah, and oh, just yeah. hang and bullshit and talk. And it's uh-huh. it's great to it's a great place to be where you can ask questions or again just shoot the shit. It it doesn't matter because it's it's a very open and wonderful place to be. Well, that's why it's got chairs and a coffee pot. You know, yeah. I mean, that's why we do that down there. And it, it, at 
it, it kind of reminds me of like an old school barber shop. Yes. You know, you can absolutely. come in and talk mm-hmm. with the guys and shoot the shit. And, you know, if you have something that you need to discuss with these group of guys, you can get their input. And, and, and with some of the people that have come into the shop, I've had conversations on everything from, you know, per, personal opinions about life to firearm training to my thoughts on this specific agenda or, a, you know, social opinion at the time. You know, I mean, I've had all kinds of uh, just the other day I had a conversation with a customer. Uh, we were discussing different kinds of cologne. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was one of those things. You know, we got to talking about it and it just led to this like hour long conversation about different stuff and it was just because he stopped in the bs well here's the thing is like mm-hmm. ethan you and i have talked about this here on the podcast obviously off off air as well and it's like well, that's so missing in today's society most people are just stuffed in their yeah. phones and technology i mean God, how many times you go to a restaurant and you see four people sitting around a table and nobody's yeah, they're talking all they're phones. all on their fucking phones like yep. put mm-hmm. it away for an hour and talk mm-hmm. to your friends so it people are so desperate for that 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 they need that and then obviously you and I have talked about it. it's like most people don't have the capacity we'll say to be able to sit down with somebody and just listen to what they have to say and not not jump in without being needed or warranted or anything just like you know just let them talk let them get stuff out because most people they need an outlet somewhere yeah, so absolutely. the fact that you guys have created a place like that where it's not like let, let's let's be honest most shops that you go into they're selling shit yeah and it's like hey buy some shit or get out mm-hmm. you know whereas you guys have created an area of like hey come in hang out bullshit i don't care if you buy anything or do it doesn't matter like it's just this is an open and it's a safe place yeah so just come on in and just just be who you are and it's no big deal if you need to talk we're always here and you and i have kind of talked about that as yeah. well well it's like you know so i always tell people it's like hey i got big ears they are good <laughs> yeah. at listening so anytime you guys need to talk like i am here for you i don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning you call my ass like i'll come so, meet you or you can just talk to me on the phone <laughs> in this and, I, and i'm not Hopefully, this does not sound egotistical. Um, very recently, we had an older gentleman came in. He's a Marine veteran. Um, uh, older guy, I would say, if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably in his mid-60s to mid-70s, somewhere in there. And he's got a cane, and he kind of walks around, you know. He doesn't live very far from the shop, maybe a block and a half, two blocks away. And uh, he doesn't have a car, so he walks everywhere. And he called in one day, and he asked if one of us could give him a ride to the hospital. And we're like, why? What's wrong, man? You know, he's like, oh, well, I just, I cut my hand real bad, you know. Uh, is there any way one of you guys could give me a ride to the hospital? And Jeff dropped what he was doing and went and picked that guy up and took him to the hospital. Like, he, he didn't have to do that. No, of course not. You know, and again, I, I don't mean to sound ego, egotistical when I say this, but... We're a place of business, but we're still willing to try and do the personal things that it it means to help out the people. Well, here's here's the thing: who take right? care of us because it's it's not even just that. It's like we're all here to be good stewards for our families, our friends, our communities, yeah. and hopefully bigger, our states, our nations, the world, whatever doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you don't, like they always say, it's like if you don't make a difference in the small places, like if mm-hmm. I can't control myself, yeah, how do I expect to be able to control or uh, influence my family. Absolutely. If I can't do that, how can I influence my community? If I can't do that, how do I influence the state mm-hmm. and so on and so forth? 
which is why I think people have such a problem with politics right now. Yeah. Is because those assholes are all about themselves. Oh, absolutely. How do I make myself better instead of like how do I make other things well, better? So, yeah. so it's like as as your point here is like this is simple. Like this is bad for business. Yeah. For him to leave the shop, he can't take phone calls. He can't talk to the people who come in who want to see him. Yeah. People come in there to see you guys. Like that's important, yep. and you need to be there for that because it's your business. But it's better for the community. To be a place like you guys have made IOF is to be able to come in there and be like, hey, yeah. I need help. Will you come help me? Absolutely. Yep. We will drop everything. I'll close this shop if I have to. Well, I, I'll put a sticky note on the window that says, I'll be back in 30 minutes yeah. because I've got to go do this. Just wait. Like, no big deal. So well, it's, it's amazing to see that because that, I believe, is what society is so lacking right now. It's the fact that everybody right now expects the government to take care of us. The cops are going to do this. The people are going to do that. Like, no. How about you just be good stewards to your community mm-hmm. and just be good people? Like uh, Jake Bible, who's always on the show, yeah, is always saying, "Be good people." Like that's being good people. So I love what you guys stand for and what you're doing. I mean, people are like, "Well, they're just like right wing nuts who like guns and shooting shit and blah blah blah." <laughs> like, no, no, no. This is I don't care what your politics are. I don't care what you no. believe. We can talk about that. I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Well, you can't have conversations." Like, well, I do. I've got super liberal friends. I've got super conservative friends. Like I'm definitely an extreme moderate in the middle, you know? So it's like, but I have these great conversations with everybody because I find it fascinating and I love to hear what they're thinking because I want to see it from their point of view. Yeah. But people push that off because, oh, it's a gun store and they do firearms training. Like, what does that matter? It's, It's just a business because it's needed in this community because, again... People need training. It's important. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you have to do these mm-hmm. things. So I love to hear stories like that. It just warms my heart because well, that's how we should all be. I don't consider myself in the gun business. I consider myself in the people business. Guns just happen to be a part of that. There there we go. That's absolutely you know? the truth. So, But people will label you for some stupid reason. It's like, what are we doing here, people? I, I mean, it's it sucks because it does ultimately give them a a lack of opportunity to learn something. But in my mind, I don't care what people label me. Yes. I don't because deep down in my heart's heart, I know that I'm not what they say I am. And I, anybody who's listened to you on the podcast would know that. Obviously, anybody who goes on the yeah. shop and has talked to you for more than two fucking minutes yeah. would know that in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, and and that's and that kind of goes to – so when you come into the shop, I've got a window that peers into my workroom where I do all my gunsmithing and armory work and all that. Excuse me. And I had a sticker made, and I put it on the top of that window, and it's 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 right there in front of everybody to see. It says, no shit leaves the shop, right? And I put that up there as a reminder to myself and a reminder to anybody who's willing to give me the chance to try to help them that when they walk out of here, it will either be correct or it's not leaving, no matter whether it's your training, if it's a gun that needs sights put on it or whether it's your mind if it's not fixed it don't leave here (laughs) right you know and 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 sometimes that involves a lot of hard work and maybe even some there's not sometimes all the time you know some say always well depends how you look at that i like to see hard work is not just busting your ass to achieve a goal hard work is a summary of an entire day's worth of like uh, hard hard work is just a summary of an entire day's events. Okay. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Break that down more so, for me. So if I wake up in the morning and I get up and I work out as hard as I can, 
right? I worked my ass off for that. But then for the rest of the day, I do nothing. I just, I don't do the dishes. I don't do laundry. I don't mow the grass. I don't go to work. I don't uh, check the mail. I don't feed the dog. I don't, whatever, right? Yeah, I, that, that, that little bit of workout, that was hard work, right? But that's not hard work. Because the summary of my entire day did not. So it was only was hard work the, for a portion of the day instead of the entire absolutely. day. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So no matter whether it's one simple project, right, or an entire day or week or month's worth of work or an entire lifetime, right, it, I, I don't think that hard work can just be defined on how fast or how hard that you're working at a specific goal. I think I, I can, hard I can work is determined that. by a lifetime of showing that you're willing to continue even when things don't either benefit you or the outcome is not going to be as fruitful as you think it's but going I to be. I think that's more where like I want to see that kind of stuff be determined more as the hard work. Like cuz like whereas whereas I'm thinking with you it's like you're there to obviously listen to people talk. Yeah. Like listen to their woes, like be a sounding board for them, ask you questions, obviously build uh, stuff, fix things, yeah. like uh, in, install different pieces and parts, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. That's fine. But I also look at it also as like, it's not just the hard work. It's like the fact that like, oh yeah, I'm working hard. Look at me go. I got my head down or whatever. Like, no, like sometimes hard work is sitting out in the shop and bullshitting with people. That's so what sometimes I mean. it's, yeah. it's just like greeting people with a, a smile and, and like raised That's... eyebrows. Like, hey, I'm glad to see you. How are you doing? What's going on? Yep. But also, I believe it's also your intentions. Because you're not doing that with the intention of manipulating them so that they come back in and buy more of your shit. Or you're not like fixing the stuff, like their rifles or pistols or anything. Does, uh, equipment doesn't matter. Yeah. Anything just because, oh, I need to get done as fast as possible. Like, no, I need to do an excellent job because my credibility is on, on the Absolutely. line here. And I think that that's more of like what things boil down into. And, and not just like yeah. you said, like just busting your ass and do whatever. Like, no, it's like. It's it's the intention and the belief behind it. It's Absolutely, like you're doing it because you're good people and you want to be a good steward to your friends and customers well, and family and community. And that's what I mean by the summary of a day's events. Yes, right. Your intention of performing those specific tasks. Absolutely. And then that brings me back to no shit leaves the shop. Nothing that shit will ever leave that shop. And I, and as long as I have control. As long as I have control over that situation, but even I'll if do you, the best of my but even if you don't have sure control that over that specific situation, you can breed not breed. You can build that motto into everybody absolutely. there who's there mm-hmm. to help or work yeah. or do whatever, well, or, even, or even just the people coming in. <clears throat> like, hey, no, we we don't we don't talk like that here. We don't treat our people like absolutely. none of that shit. But you can you know give Steve a hard time. That's okay. Yeah, but- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Everybody says that. <laughs> There's always one guy, right? Yeah. It's, it's just how it works. Well. <laughs> If we're picking on him, it means we're leaving everybody else alone. So well, it's, it's not so much that it just means that you love him, and mm-hmm. he's just he's part. Oh, yeah. like, Absolutely, there, there's there's guys at the jujitsu gym so. that we just give such a hard time to. But if anybody else did, we would beat the shit out of him. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. He, he's our guy. We can do that. You can't do that. Yeah, if he didn't deserve it, we wouldn't give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a lot of truth to that. So too. I, I guess, and and I don't mean to hijack Dennis's story. No, here, no, no. This is the idea. But, we're all so, supposed to be talking together. Yeah, this this, is, this brings me to a topic that I have been studying for lack of a better term uh, and that and that is in a, the essence of leadership so it's something we should all be studying 
Yes, I think to an extent. I don't think everybody is supposed to be a leader, nor do I think everybody is going to be a leader. Now, I I do think that, and I understand exactly where you're about to go, because everybody's (laughs) going to be the leader in their own story. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right, but if we look at it in a realistic manner, not everybody's going to be a leader, and that's, most most people are not capable. And that and that's, that, okay. that's, that's okay. Exactly, that is okay. But I think we should still all be studying it, if nothing else, just for your own personal oh, life or what have yes. you. Yes, so I do agree to, with to that. To try to make your life better. Again, most people aren't going to be able to extend that outward into other people, but that's fine because yeah. again, if you can't control yourself, how do you expect to influence others? Yeah. Well, and and that's so. One of my people that i really like to listen to is dr jordan peterson oh i love i love him Mm -hmm. and simon sinek Uh, i think that's how you pronounce i've heard of him so i don't know too much about simon um he's he kind of reminds me of steve jobs a little bit okay um he's kind of got that just kind of go with the flow, real easy going attitude. You know what I mean? I don't know if people would describe Steve Jobs as that way. Well, I just Apparently mean he was like, a tyrant and an asshole. Well, I just but. mean when he would like speak, there yeah. was just this way for him to. When when you would listen to Steve Jobs, he would be able to tell you why you buy an Apple computer. Well, that's the thing. He was great about the vision. But that's what I mean. He was the He's, vision guy. Okay, so that's one of the things that Simon was even talking about in one of his lectures, and he calls it. I, I shit, I can't remember. Something about the three circles or three rings or something like that. So when you try to get somebody to believe in something or buy something yeah. or invest in something, right? So I can tell you how, right? I can tell you how all the time. I'm I'm gonna teach you to carry a firearm. Right? That sounds great, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But what why? The golden circle speech? Is that what it is? Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. I was on YouTube. I got, See, I'm seeing I got Simon sucked, Sinek's Golden Circle. Uh, I got sucked down a rabbit hole, and I watched a <laughs> bunch of videos the other night. I was up anyway, until 2 in the anyway, morning. Anyway, sorry. So, so, again, it you know, comes back to the what. What am I teaching you? Okay, I'm going to teach you how to, how to defend your life with a firearm. That sounds great. But does that actually sound like it's, yes, yeah, that's it, the Golden Circle. So we have the what. What am I doing, right? I'm teaching you how to carry a firearm. Okay, well, how am I doing that? And then, you know, we dive deeper and deeper yeah. down into this. And then the center of that is the why. The why. Okay, so this this has three circles. They're all inside of each other like a bullseye. Yes. The what being the bigger circle on the outside. Yeah. The how being the middle circle. And then the why being the small bullseye. So and that's the, the most center. important part of okay. the why, right? So, yeah. So that's what Steve Jobs was good at. He was Steve definitely was the vision, getting the why, you to yes. understand why. Yes. Now, if I said to you, hey, I'm going to teach you how to, to, you know, shoot a gun, right? Great, awesome, whatever. But if I said to you, listen, I have experienced a few things in my life that has caused me to believe that these skills are important for me to survive, and my job is to get you to understand these skills, which sounds more appealing? The Why? Because now yes. you can connect that to your own story. Exactly. If you right? don't make it personal, you're not going to buy into the idea. So, to understand that leads me to understanding people now. Because instead of applying that to me trying to model that after my business and try to you know, suck people in to, to make them customers, I am now using that to understand each individual. Why did they come into my classroom and sit down in this chair? 
why did they make that decision instead of what, you know, what are they doing? Well, yeah. they're here to learn, right? Well, how are they going to learn? Well, they're going to listen to me ramble on for about eight hours. Okay, why? Well, I don't know that until I ask them. Yes. Right? So why is each individual here? And when we can understand that, that helps us learn what it obviously makes those people tick. So now I have a better understanding of why they are actually here, which means I can now connect to them on a personal level and make sure that the things that they are afraid of, we can terminate, and the things that they are confident in, we can boost and and push them to excel in those things, right? So when it comes to this uh, idea of leadership, I believe that we have to be firm and authoritative because we are in a position to uh, dictate how other people will react or act in a specific situation, whether it's at work or in a self-defense setting or at home, whatever it is that we're trying to inspire them to be leaders in. But we also have to be empathetic. We have to understand people, right? So say I have an issue with somebody, okay? Uh, A coworker, right? Dennis came in late three days in a row this week. Something, uh, you know, something's going on, right? Well, I could go up to Dennis and I could say, hey, Dennis, you know, what's up, man? You've been late three days in a row. What the fuck's that about? Get your shit together or you're out of here. And unfortunately, especially in the corporate setting, I think that people think that that's management. Absolutely. And that's leadership and blah, 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 and this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, that is, that is actually the opposite that's laziness. of that. Do you exactly. think? Exactly. Yeah. Because unfortunately, in the corporate world, most people get promoted to the point where they're now ineffective mm-hmm. and then they stay there. It's like, what are we doing here? It's because our workforce is taught how to do their job. They are not taught how to deal with people. And what happens is, is once you become so efficient <laughs> oh, at your wait, wait, job. Hold on. hold on a second. That, <laughs> that is such a great way of putting it. I've never thought of it that way. When you are promoted, it's because you're efficient at your job, correct? Typically. So you will go to a course to learn how to continue to do that job better because you're smarter than the guy next to you or whatever. So you are up for that promotion or whatever. So you are taught more how to do this job. So as you move up that ladder, we're never taught how to deal with people. Yeah, but that's not, that I think is a huge problem because, again, most people get promoted up to the point where they are dealing with people. They don't know how. They're great at doing their job, but Boom. now they're not doing mm-hmm. their job because now their job is, is dealing, dealing with, with people. people. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Oh, my God. So. Like mind blown. So I mean, a small explosion, but it's okay. It's that, that was great. So somebody write that down. That's a good tip. Yeah, write that. Stop down. the car. Right. Write it down. But if I said to Dennis, Dennis, you've been late three times this week. You okay? What's going on, man? Something going on at home that you need to talk to me about? Your kids okay? Girlfriend okay? Wife okay? Husband okay? Well, hopefully parents, if the girlfriend and yeah. the wife don't know about each other. <laughs> well, then yeah, we're good. But but you know, hey, maybe something's going on with his parents. Maybe he has a, a terminally terminally ill grandparent that's getting yeah. ready to pass away, right? And he's been going over there every night, and he's been taking care of her because his parents have been spending all day doing it. So he has to come and help at night because yeah. she can't be alone. Yeah. Right. And then Dennis tells me this, and I'm saying, you know what, man? I understand. I had a great grandmother who lived with me growing up. A lot of people don't know that. 
right? And I'd help take care of her and I'd help deal with the things. And so that's what we had, families used to do. Now they we had, stuff them away so they don't have to see them. You know, mm-hmm. we had medical emergencies and grandma had to go to the hospital. Guess who had to yeah. go? You know, Some, I was 13. Someone had to be there. I was 13 years old and my dad, as he was trying to help my mom take care of my grandma, he would tell me to go get the keys and move all the vehicles out of the driveway so the ambulance could get in. I was 13 years old, 3 o'clock in the morning, moving vehicles out of driveway so that way the ambulance could get in. I, I understand where he's standing, right? Because I'm a little bit empathetic to his situation. Yes. I understand that this is not about you being late to work. This is about some. This this is about a human being dealing with some kind of issue that's re, that that's affecting them and causing them to suffer in their professional career. Because if I jump his shit, you know, Dennis, fuck you, man. What the fuck's going on with you? Your numbers are down. You're not showing up on time. Blah 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 blah. How motivated do you think he's going to be, or incentivized, as he, Dennis and I have discussed <laughs> on this many times, to to show up the next day on time and and Put in a hard day's work. About less than zero. Right? Mm-hmm. But what if I said to him, man, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you came in late. It's Wednesday afternoon, man. It's the third day in a row you've been late. What's going on? Talk to me, man. Something's obviously happening. And he tells me, you know, his grandma's sick. I don't know. His, his dog ate his edibles or whatever, and now dog had to go to the vet, right? <laughs> so he's all upset because whatever reason. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, man. Why don't you take Thursday and Friday off? Go home. Collect yourself. Deal with the things you need to deal with. I'll see you Monday morning. How motivated or incentivized do you think he's going to be to come back in Monday morning and help me achieve my goal? Very motivated. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't why wouldn't I just ask them that? Well, again, that that becomes the issue is like most people don't know how to deal with people, and they've grown up with these bad. Um, role models that just yell and scream and think that they're going to rule by an iron fist. I'm like, yeah. that's not how this works. That's not how people are. Like, you've got to get down on their level, ask them what's going on, like relate to them, like, hey, okay, no stories. Let's work through this together. How can I help? Now, I do mm-hmm. agree that there is a time to be authoritative. Uh, I do agree. Yes, because there are rules and you have to follow the rules. Absolutely. We all, we all understand that. For example, employee stealing from the company, Right. There's two ways that could go down, right? There, There's only two reasons why, well, I shouldn't say only two reasons. In my mind, there are two reasons why somebody would steal from a company. They're either a shitbag or because they have something else going on in their life that that's forced them to do this. Now, I'm not justifying their actions. I'm just simply saying that sometimes good people get caught up in such bad situations that they have to do bad things. Again, I'm not saying it's okay, and I do believe that a punishment needs to be there absolutely right stealing is not acceptable no but i don't think the guy who was stealing change out of the change jar as he's walking out because he needs it deserves to have his hand cut off you know but the guy who's robbing millions of dollars from the charity foundation that helps kids with cancer or whatever because he's got an addiction he can't stop doing heroin or because he can't stop spending fucking money or, yeah. just, or just the fact that a lot of those charities are shams because people yep. are going to take all this money. Like, oh, well, well, it all goes to charity. Oh, except for all the CEO expenditures and bonuses well, and stuff that they give themselves. <laughs> like, well, hold on a second. Now, well, where's right. the actual money going? Look at, look at like shit like the NRA. You know, I mean, if you want to dive down that rabbit hole, you want to talk about 
you know, an organization that's supposed to be for the greater good of the people is spending money. You know, Wayne Lapierre, the guy that runs the NRA, that guy's a shitbag. I mean, they're just lobbyists, essentially, is what they are. Ah, I mean, the guy's spending $40,000 on fucking Armani suits and all this and that and the other. And, you know, just it's just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't do me any good as an NRA member or an NRA instructor. You know, I practically cringe every time someone tells me they're involved in the NRA. And it's and it's because of that reason, you know the the organization has poisoned itself from within. I mean that's normally what happens because these people want power. Oh, absolutely. So they get into a place where they can mm-hmm. have the power. Absolute power. And then they, absolutely correct. Yeah, and then they write themselves all these rules so that they have the benefits of that power. It's like, wait a second, how about you actually do a good job and do what you're supposed to do and be a, a steward for what that's supposed to believe in and so, those kind of things. But I think that brings us to a certain conundrum. And what I mean by that is, is when you look at people who are leaders, there are either people who are natural leaders or people have to learn to be leaders. Which, I think, which obviously people, some people are more, um, I don't want to say. Charismatic. Well, it's not even so much that. It's like more, some people are just going to be better at it oh, than absolutely. anybody else. But yeah. you can still learn the basics absolutely. and still be better than you were. You may not be as good as other people who are maybe uh predispositioned i guess is the word i'm thinking yeah. of to to to, to do that you yeah know, to, but again you could always still be better and you can still learn like oh, be better yeah. than you were you may not be i, I use this example all the time it's like look at uh football mm-hmm. you know most people you know around here especially i give because football is huge in ohio it's like you played in junior high or high school and and you, you might have been pretty good you might not have been who cares but then there's there's a whole different level at the next level into college. Yeah, and it's like some of you. I don't care how hard you work, you're never gonna be there. Yeah, you'll it never just break is, that threshold. It just is what yeah. it is. You can be better than you were. You can be good for your team, but you're never gonna be as good as those guys. Oh, absolutely. And then most of them are never gonna make it to the pros because yep. they're just not good enough to be there. Yeah, that's okay. Like again, there's levels to this thing. So but people don't don't understand that. So. I think that there are a lot of people who are good leaders who didn't even want to be leaders. but I, I think, think those are the best leaders. Mm-hmm. I do. Th- I think that does make for a more potential for a positive outcome. And the reason why I say that is because people who don't want to be leaders, who generally end up being in that position, don't have a tendency to abuse their power. Yes. Because they know... They're, they're not attracted to it. They that's, don't get that's, the ego. That's Absolutely. exactly what it is. So, like, because the people who are attracted to that are the ones who maybe were picked on as they were little or yeah. whatever, or they're just corrupt, power-hungry assholes. And, and they just they want to get into a place where they can, I'm the big man, you must listen yeah. to me. Like, no, this should be reluctant. Mm-hmm. Like, if a good leader to me is reluctant. Like, well, I'm going to do this because it needs to get done. Because if mm-hmm. I don't do it, no one else will. Whereas the other people who are looking for that power over others or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah. you're just a shitbag. What are we doing here? Yeah. So, so like George Washington, for example. Perfect example. He didn't want to, he did not, he had no desire to be president. And they basically, the people basically got on their hands and knees and said, we do not know anybody else who would be a better job at this than you. And reluctantly, he said, Okay, I guess I'll run for the election. Who was the uh, king of England when we uh, won the Revolutionary War and separated to our own king country? George. Was, George was a Henry. No, I believe it was King George. George. I, like, there's like a famous quote, like King George basically had said, if George Washington steps down from this position of being the general of the army mm-hmm. and doesn't take over the new kingship, essentially, 
he'll be the greatest man of history. It's, it's paraphrasing, yeah. but it's basically what it was. It's like, here's a person with all this military power and clout and people loved him. And I mean, some people don't like him because like, he got wealthy off of his wife's land and all this kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. He wasn't no. a self-man. Who cares? Nobody's Whatever. perfect. Exactly. It's like, he's, he's just a man. He's got like flaws like everybody else. But it's like, He's one of the greatest men in history because, again, he could have made this country like a, a dictatorship because mm-hmm. he was in control of the military. Yeah. His men loved him because he suffered with them. You yeah. know, and well, it's like, look at Teddy Roosevelt. That's another perfect example. Another good example. You know, uh, I think I like his works. I love reading about Teddy Roosevelt because, and and maybe this is a man thing but he in my mind is one of the he's a real life john wayne man i mean he's (laughs) he the guy was incredible and and i mean he just it was all about being better you know taking care of things that need to be taken care of being a good strong independent man well he also went through a lot of adversity when he was absolutely got picked on with scrawny had all kinds of issues it was like i'm done with all this Mm -hmm. and started lifting weights and taking care of himself and and like hunting and shooting and doing all those kind of like manly kind of activities we kind of see and so that led him you know the nickname bull moose you know i mean think of the size of a bull moose i mean that's a huge animal and so basically by giving him that nickname what they were saying is that his personality his leadership abilities and all the other things that encompassed who he was made him in comparison to other human beings the size of a bull moose right to think that one human being or even a country a large group of people to consider one human being larger than life that person had to do some incredible things yes and, and hopefully for the positive. And in, and in my eyes, he was for the positive. You know what I mean? So, again, that, that brings me to that whole leadership thing. I'm sure that there were times where he was empathetic towards people. He tried to understand their plight. You know, he tried to understand their struggles. And that's obviously the, the great part of going through adversity yourself. Yeah. Is that it's much easier to put yourself in other people's shoes and understand where they're coming from. So... I just, I don't know, leadership has been one of those things that I've been reading into a lot, and especially because I'm in the position I'm in, um, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to consider myself in charge of people. I, I like to think that, I don't know how to describe it. I'm not in charge of people. I am in charge of caring for people. Okay. You know, my job is not to point and tell people what to go do. Yes. My job is to lead by example. Lead by example. Like know. I've always, I've always looked at this like, I'm, like in my in my workplace, like I've always tried to see myself as a team member, mm-hmm. and I try to bring everybody together as a member of this team, and I and I always try to. Build in this idea. Uh, Steve Jobs is a great example of this, actually. Um, I used this example before, is that when he got kicked out of Apple the first time and started Pixar, 
and he had his animators and they were changing how animation was done from uh, cartoons and drawings into uh, yeah. digital age Computer and computers generation. and all that kind of stuff, right? So he took the most important people that were going to make or break the business, his animators, and he took them and put them in a separate part of the building or maybe in a separate building altogether. I don't remember. And he gave them this persona. You guys are pirates. You guys don't deal like all those guys and the corporate phonies and all this kind of BS. Like, no, like you guys are pirates. You're going to do your own thing. And there was no dress code. There was no hours. There was no nothing. You could come in whatever time you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Get your work done. Yeah. And some of those guys would work 20 hours a day because they needed to get things done. Yeah. And they and they had food and snacks and they could sleep and do whatever in their offices and no big deal. Because again, they were all separated from the corporate BS that is a normal kind of business and structure yep. it's like no you guys are your own thing you're better than them you're this you're that whatever and he built this again persona and i always try to take that into into like a, a workplace of like hey this is our team like we're the best team nobody else can keep up with us and we're going to prove it mm-hmm. you know but doing that i believe elevates everyone a little competition cr- creates cooperation right so it's I, like it, it brings mm-hmm. everybody else on board and raises everyone well, and, and, and I, I would agree with that, too, because we do need adversity in order for us to excel because uh, st- stagnation is is. What do, they, what, what do they always say? Anything worth doing is like it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just uh, I think that it would be a lot better for people if they would take a little bit time and learn to understand people rather than just understanding how to do their job. Yes. You know, that is so important because um, again, without people, nothing else really matters. Well, and because I mean, people are with everything that that's how business is run by people. It, in order for, yes. Yeah. The, uh, you know, in order for a structure to be sound, the foundation must be done correctly. Solid. It's got to be built no. well. So, uh, the people that am, that, that you employ, the people that work for you, the people who get on their hands and fucking knees and scrub the floor. Those people are just as important as the people who make the executive decisions about what they're going to do with their millions of dollars. And I think money. that's the one, one big thing that's very important is people will follow a leader who isn't above those kind of tasks. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if, if someone is willing to do those kind of things instead of just ordering or telling somebody Absolutely. else to do it, it goes so much further. I like to consider myself a 3S expert. Please elaborate on that. 3S is shoveling, scrubbing, or sweeping. <laughs> I A shovel fits in my hand just as good as it does anybody else. Yes. Um, a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, always on his resume under special skills, writes professional shovel operator. And... That's gotten him a few jobs. Yes, because it's going to cause some questions. What do you mean by this? Yeah, and he tells him the same thing every time. He goes, I can operate a shovel just as good as anybody else. Like I can remember at uh, a job that I used to have, there was a gentleman who was, uh, who was brought in. He's a little bit older. Uh, I guess mid-50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but he was always happy, and he was like the office gopher, I guess you'll call it. He would take out the trash. Yep. He would... Uh, bring stuff around if you needed it. He'd go run errands if they uh, take somebody to the airport if they were traveling. Whatever. It's just yeah. anything that needs to get done, he's your guy. He'll take care yep. of it. You he's know? the guy. And he always <laughs> does it with a smile. He he was there. And I just, I appreciated him so much because 
most people thought that they were better than him because they were doing these multi-million dollar projects or doing this or doing that or whatever. And it, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's just part of the business. Like everybody needs to do their job. But he's just as important, yep. in my opinion, as the CEO. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't do his job, it's more of an inconvenience for others. and It takes them away from what they need to do to make money for the company. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's just as important as everybody else. And I treated him like a human being. And I always talked to him, asked him how he was yep. doing. And and I can remember when I left that job, like he personally came over to me you know, and said, hey, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And you're always so kind and nice or whatever. Because, again, people wouldn't treat him like that. Yep. I hate to say it, especially your middle and upper management who thought that they were better than fucking everybody else yeah. and just would like saw him as the peon. And it's like, no, he's a p- big part of what makes this office run well. Yeah, absolutely. Period. And nobody's bigger than his job. And I've got no problems doing the stuff that he's supposed to be doing to help him out or do whatever just because it needs done. Yeah, Not because absolutely. I want praise or accolades or anything else. doesn't matter. Don't need to tell anybody about it. I'm going to do it because it fucking needs to get done. So at my old job. And you're allowed to jump in here, Dennis. You're over here nodding your head and excitedly. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just, I know, but you joined the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I do want to say this, and it's kind of summarized my 3S expert thing, you know, shoveling, scrubbing. Well, sorry, I, I, I jumped good. in there. <laughs> so I just, at my old job, there would be this, she was a cleaning lady. And she would come in and she would clean the break room and the bathroom and all that stuff. And really nice, very sweet, always very kind. And, uh, you know, I would talk to her. Hey, Sharon, how you doing? Nice seeing you, blah, blah. And I'd talk to her about her cats and all kinds of stuff. And if I was, if I was on my way out the door and she already had the trash bagged up, I would grab the trash bags and I'd walk them over to the dumpster for her. Yeah. And I would throw them in the dumpster. And, uh, I got that idea from another gentleman who worked there and it was because, and this guy had worked there for 25 years. I mean, one of the guys that, one of the few guys around there that could basically do whatever he wanted and nobody would really question it. You know, he was what we called an OG, you know, he's one of the original guys, you know? So I would see him do that. You know, and uh, he would always, you know, kind of chuckle. You know, it's just the right thing to do, man. It's just the right thing to do. She appreciates it, and, and, you know, she's a nice lady. She makes sure that, you know, my stuff's always clean and taken care of, man. He goes, so I got to walk past that dumpster anyway. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so it's like, I. Just do it because it needs to get done. It doesn't matter who's doing yeah. it. Like, we're all part of the team here. Yep. Let's play ball as a team. And so I would do it, too. And it was just because of that reason. Because I admired the gentleman who said that to me, and I always felt like he was one of the people who inspired me to be a good person, a good worker, a good employee, a good employer, a good person, right? And so uh, I started doing it, and I've I've tried to apply that little bit of stuff, that little lesson to my entire life. Yes. You know, um, don't be afraid to take out the trash. You know, who cares? So what? Who, don't be afraid to sweep the floor. You know, I'm not above getting on my hands and knees and cleaning the bathroom at the store when it needs to be done. And, you know, uh, I actually had a guy just uh, Friday compliment me on how clean our bathroom was. And he goes, honestly, when I saw it was a bunch of dudes down here, he goes, I was not expecting that bathroom to be that clean. <laughs> and, as you know, and I told him, I'm like, man, to be honest with you, whether you realize it or not, I pride myself on how clean that bathroom is. As you should. Again, you know? again it's it's one of those small things that goes such a long way because it reflects on everyone. <laughs> so I had a, one of the Marines that I worked for, one of my bosses I had, his big thing was always appease the eyeball. 
is something that he would always harp on us about. Okay. Well, what is, and what, what he, does what that he, mean? What he meant by that. And this was mainly when it came time to like inspections, right? But essentially what he meant was, you know, if it looks good on the surface, your initial assumption is that, it, well, it probably is good. You know, usually if there's going to be some kind of defect or, or something wrong, you're going to see that on the surface. Um, and that's going to cause people then to, to, look, to deeper. look deeper gotcha. and deeper, right? So if you just do your due diligence and, you know, take care of some of those extra little details and stuff to appease the eyeball, make sure it looks good, then you're not going to have to deal with that crazy inspector wanting to, you know, dig real deep. And because a lot of times they'll, they'll just start searching, right, for they know that if they dig deep enough, they'll find something. Well, here's the right? thing. That's that's how life but, is, right? If, yeah, you, if you go exactly. deep enough, you'll find something. Right. But at some point, like, is it really worthwhile? I mean, sometimes there's reasons to do that, mm-hmm. you know, but most of the time it's like, okay, like, let's tighten things up a little bit here. But yeah. most of all, oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. But and it, it when, I, when he first took over, it kind of bothered me because I remember for a month straight, every day we came in at 5 a.m., which was two hours early, so we could disconnect – these uh, power cables that power the facilities and just lay them back out nicer on the ground. Okay. So they weren't overlapped. Yeah. So they were all nice and lined up in a row. Yes. And we would do one work center a day until we got this all done. Right. And then about a month goes by and we had a big inspection come up and that was when you, like it really hit me anyways at that point. Because I was used to seeing the inspectors, you know, how they're, oh, yeah, you know, they see one little thing and now it's they start digging, right? And just to see these guys come in, right? And they take a glance around, just like most humans do. You walk into a new environment, you glance around, oh, everything looks good. No reason to be worried, don't need to be on alert, nothing. And they're relaxed and it goes real easy. Yeah. But you can apply that that same concept to just about anything, but like I think, you were saying, I think almost anything the, in life. That's the wonderful thing about great things like those points you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like if you can just find a way to build these into your life and apply it to everything. Cause it could be applied to just about everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. It goes such a long way, especially like with you're doing like coming in early to do one station at a time, mm-hmm. but eventually you'll get through them all. Yep. And people appreciate that kind of stuff. Just taking the extra little time to make sure something is done right for the right intent. Not because you want praise or anything else. It's because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And let's just get it done and do it right. And it's not necessarily that things were shitty no, before. But they could be better. But exactly. They are better than they were before now. You know? and, 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 and and like that, people want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Like having a tidy bathroom. Yep. It's such a simple thing because people will take better care of everything because things are tidied up. And yep. that's great. It's always easier to maintain something than yes. to fix something. Yes, it <laughs> yeah. is. Well, and that's, I don't know. It's just simple stuff. You know, I've been in there on a Sunday morning when the shop is closed in the wintertime, and I shoveled the whole parking lot by myself. Not for any other reason than just hopefully somebody that drives by will see that, and I'll be like, oh, wow, that looks nice. You know, it's appeasing to the eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole subject of leadership is not necessarily leading people. It's learning how to, you know, do the right thing all the time, basically. And then hopefully other people will follow by example because they see the results of, of that, you know, they see that it, it's more beneficial to do that. Yeah, but again, that's true leadership. In yeah. my opinion, the, the greatest leaders are the ones that are the most adaptable and the most flexible with their leadership style. Meaning, I was the type of Marine 
that if I was doing something wrong, you were probably going to have to come up and smack me in the back of the head or give me a swift kick in the ass. And I, it would absolutely straighten, out, straighten me out. That's what I needed. But I had Marines that if I did that too, I knew I was going to find the kid in the back of the locker room balled up crying. Yeah. Because he got yelled at. But that's also right? the point so of understanding people. So I'd have to be able to people. adapt. Yes. Y- yes, exactly. You have to understand how to talk to people. I mean, who is it? Uh, Dr. Robert Rome has a book. Uh Positive person, positive personality profiles. I think, I think that's what it's called. Um, but it's talking about the, the basic four mm-hmm. temperaments of most people, like uh, the the DISC model. Yeah, or the, oh, Florence, yeah. Florence Littower talks about it. Um, and See, I've done the disc personality stuff. plus. I think is, is her book. Um, I didn't like that one so much just because she's choleric and she's like yelling at everybody. I was like, hey, hey, calm down. Like, you're not you're not perfect either, sweetheart. Like, but I, I like Dr. Robert Rome's because he just he broke it down. It was so simple. It was like, hey, if you're outgoing and people oriented, this. If you're like introverted and task oriented, that. Like, it was just it was an easy way to kind of break people down. But it's you need to know how to talk to different personalities, especially mm-hmm. if you are one way. You think everyone thinks the way you think, and like, no, that's not how this works. It's like. You need to know how to talk to different people because, again, some people need a kick in the ass. Yep. Like, hey, dumbass, you're doing this wrong. Fix it. Like, right. Roger that. Yes, sir. No problem. Whereas other people like need some coaxing. Like, hey, I noticed you're doing this. We do it this way for this reason. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get the reasoning behind it. No problem. I'll do it that way. And some mm-hmm. some people are like, hey, buddy, you can't do that. We got to do this. It's, it's what helps the team or whatever. Like, oh, I don't want to help the team. I don't want to let anybody else down. And some people are picking butterflies. You're like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And then <laughs> two minutes later, hey, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you need to understand how to talk to the different personalities right. because that is so important. If you don't understand how to deal with people, like Ethan yeah. was saying earlier, it's like it's just going to go by the wayside. No one's going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. And then I think we just got caught up in that lockstep of, well, this is how it was. This is how it is. We're just going to keep doing it this way. And I way. think a lot of people do that. Like, this way yeah. we've always done it, so let's just do yeah. it this way instead of challenging it. Like, how can it's we easy. do this better? Yeah, it's, it's easier. The, it's the path way. of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but so, like, for me growing up, and, and I don't want anybody listening to misconstrue this. I love my dad to death, but my dad was a terrible teacher. And what I mean by that is... is my dad's form of him teaching me how to do something is he would say, hey, you know, go fix this or go do this specific task. And I'll go, okay, uh, sure, dad, but uh, I've never done that before, so can you show me how to do it? And Jesus Christ, if you can't do it yourself, I'll just do it. You know, And that's just how he was. Trial by fire. Yeah, But his dad was the same way too. I mean, my dad, and he even told me that on multiple occasions. You know, He goes, my dad didn't teach me nothing. He goes, you know, anytime I asked my dad for help, he would tell me, if you can't figure it out on your own, I guess you're screwed. You know, and I see both sides. I try to see both sides of the coin. There is a point to let people flounder to try to figure things out because giving yeah. them the answers all the time isn't necessarily the best thing to do. But as a whole, it's a very bad idea. Oh, absolutely. Because now in my mind, for me at least, it created. You're like, I can't ask for help. Well, it created this fear of doing things incorrectly. Because okay. now I know that if somebody says, you know, if Dennis came to me and said, hey, man, I need you to do this work on this gun. I've never touched one of these guns before. I've never torn one of these apart. The anxiety that I feel goes through the roof. And I'm not exaggerating that right now. I get so nervous that sometimes I even have to step back and walk away from my project because I'm so afraid of 
upsetting the customer or whoever it is because I don't want them to feel like they trusted me to do something and I could not complete that job. And it be it, it's because of that reaction. You know, even when I learned how to drive, it wasn't, this is how you do it. It's, okay, do it. Okay, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it wrong. Well, you're wrong. Well, why am I wrong? You're just wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's a good answer. <laughs> and again, please don't think that anybody who's listening, please don't vilify my dad and think that he was a bad dad no, 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 or anything no. lots, like that. Lots of people are like that. That was just that was just the only way he knew how to explain things to me because he never had to he never had the opportunity to learn like that from somebody. So it was very difficult for him to understand how to teach somebody that way. He taught me the same way he learned because that's what he knew, right? Not saying it's right, but I'm not saying it's wrong either. Well, it just is what it is. Yes and no, because you're supposed to learn as you get older. Yeah. And just because your father was that way, like his dad. Oh, absolutely. Doesn't mean that he has to be that way. That would be like me saying, hey, if, if my father was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. he certainly is not. I can barely give him a drink a beer here and there. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that, yeah, it's like, but it would be like saying, I'm like, oh, well, be, he's yeah. an alcoholic, so I have to be an alcoholic. Like, that's horse shit. Like, you get to make your own choices. Yeah. So just because he learned that way from his father doesn't mean that he had to be the same way towards you. No. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yes. But I cannot control what he does. Absolutely. Nor so, can you vilify him for that. Absolutely. That was his choice to make. So all you can do as your own person is learn from that. And well, hopefully improve on it and make it better for you. But if we want to be, uh, you know, look on the bright side of things, that also taught me other things. That taught me a sense of independency. That taught me that in order for me to do things right, I'm going to have to learn to do things wrong a few times. Yes. Right? It taught me that even though I may not like it, it is okay to ask for help. Right? Or... It's okay to not understand something. Yes. Right? But I think that's that's where it's important to understand there's importance to letting people flounder through things, yeah. but not having them feel like they can't ever come to ask for help either. Because yeah. like, you, you can't be one way or the other. There needs to be like a little bit of a mix of both. Absolutely. Balance. Have yes. to have adversity. Absolutely. You have to have adversity. Without yeah. it, without adversity, there's no growth. And in today's society, everything we do is simply to get rid of adversity. It just makes us weaker. Uh, yes, but obviously <laughs> that that boils down to the fact that like you know hard people make easy times, right. easy time makes easy well, people, yeah, exactly. easy, easy people makes hard times, and so on and so yep. forth. Like, mm-hmm. and we're just, we're just in a cycle. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh, it's so bad. I'm like, don't worry, it'll it'll fix itself. Because right. yeah, I find myself way. personally these days like thinking though, you know, okay, do I take the steps or the elevator? Like, I will catch myself simple things like that. Well, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna choose whichever one's more adverse because. You know, we understand how our brains and bodies operate and how that works together. You start to understand that the decisions you make and the actions that you do and perform today, that is what becomes the the information that you base your decisions on in the future. So the more I work to remove adversity, right, and make things easier in my life today, the more I'm just making my body weaker. I'm setting it up, telling it that tomorrow is going to be even easier. Yeah. Because right, the brain, the brain operates off autostasis, right? It, it is always trying to predict future events based on your previous experiences in an effort to create homeostasis within the body. Yeah, right? to even make if my as easy yeah. as possible. Because even if my prediction is only ten percent correct, that's still easier to adapt to than if I didn't make any prediction at all and I just have to react. Absolutely. So every time I choose to take the elevator instead of the steps, right? 
that becomes a previous action that my brain looks back at when it is determining what it has to set my physical body up for in the future. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the more things that I do to try and simplify tasks or make things easier, right? I'm just giving my brain more examples of times that my body did not need to be that physically strong, right? It could have been weaker and I'd have still been okay. Yes. And the body will start to adapt to that. But obviously there's, there's benefits to trying to streamline things and make things well, easier yes. for yourself. So yeah. that way you can focus on other things that might be more important or right. just different to, to work through as well. Balance. So again, it's, it's, it's a dichotomy. <laughs> it's, well, I'll say, yeah. it's give and I, take. I think that's just his example. Of course. In, in terms of that, because yeah, I mean, there's, Almost every invention known to man was made because we are lazy human beings. You name me any invention, I'll tell you why it makes us lazy. Right? The light bulb. Why? Because we didn't want to light candles anymore. Chairs. Why? Because we were tired of standing. Right? I can go on and on and on. Right? So I think that, and I would agree with him, we've found this lifestyle where uh, we can be... Um, gelatinous blobs of human beings, and it's not affecting us in a negative manner. Now, I'm not saying uh, that it's, yeah, you know, I I just mean in the short term. Yes, right. Because in the long term, obviously, that's bad. It, it can be, but also we have to look at the generational differences between us and our grandparents. Right. I didn't. I mean, if you look at old-timey pictures, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of pictures of severely obese people. No. Well, Jehogan talks about this. Most of the time, they just stood around looking hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because there wasn't a lot of food. No, and, and it's because everybody had to work. Everybody had physical I mean, everything was about survival. It's, like yeah. it's, it's about putting the roof over your head to keep food in your belly, like... You're out there chopping the heads off of chickens to cook dinner. Yeah. You know, you weren't going to a grocery store. So I do, I mean, it's an amazing thing that we live in a, such a comfortable society today that, that I don't have to carry an ice block 15 miles from town to my house so that way I can keep stuff refrigerated. I don't have to worry about getting eaten by a bear when I walk yeah. out the front door. Yeah. Right? A few hundred years ago, I would have had to worry Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so, and and that's the point that I'm making. But my, is and my body we, would have had to have been prepared for that. Absolutely. But because I not, don't have to worry anymore, not, I don't have to prepare. You wouldn't survive. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so so I, I find myself specifically these days trying to create adversity for myself. But I think we almost have to nowadays because, again, life has gotten so easy. Mm-hmm. Like yep. my, my old boss, he's a farmer. I mean, this poor guy has four hours to himself a day, and that's sleeping. Mm-hmm. You know, because in the morning he has to get up and go to work because he's got to pay his bills because his farm doesn't cut. He doesn't make enough on his farm to support his, you know, yeah. his family really is, is what it mm-hmm. boils down to. But as soon as he gets off of work, you know, he's he's rushing home to get on the tractor and go do yep. whatever until who knows what time in the morning and then get a couple hours of sleep and then come right back to work and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And guess what he's doing on Saturday? Oh, yep. yeah, he's farming from before the sun comes up until after the sun goes down. And again, he's going to get four hours of sleep or whatever it is. He's going to get up on Sunday, go to church, have dinner with his family maybe, and then he's out in the shop working on something or fixing something so we can do it all again the next week. It's like this guy has had to work hard his entire life. Now, granted... In today's day and age, he chose that. 
Because mm-hmm. he didn't, he grew up in, in the same farmhouse that he lives in now. He bought it from his parents because he wanted to keep the family farm alive. Because he loves farming. That's what he loves to do. If he can make a living doing it, he would. But he can't, which is why he has to work a professional job. It's like, but he has adversity in his life that most of us don't understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. like like myself, like I have to go to jujitsu, the gym. Before that, it was Olympic weightlifting. To create adversity for myself because I don't have it in my everyday life as I'm just sitting there typing on a computer or doing whatever. And so let me ask you then, what does overcoming that, what has overcoming that adversity done for you? What, what do you mean? So you go to, you, you know, you, I go to the jujitsu gym because I know I'm creating an adverse interaction for myself. I, I'm going to get my ass whooped today in this gym. Right? Yes, I'm going like, to go through this adverse interaction. I like to do things and that now, are difficult. Having done that yeah right what does that do for you now yeah. that you've completed that adverse right or you've pushed yourself through that difficult thing right i mean there's you no, now know you can do that yeah, there's, there's no better feeling yeah. than when, when you get done with a, a hard workout or roll or whatever and you're like hey i got through that this is awesome like yeah i'm getting better this this is great and again like i like to do things that, that are difficult that i suck at but i'm also a firm believer that every grown man should know how to fight you know, so it's like I chose jujitsu because why I would lo- I love kickboxing. Muay Thai is so beautiful to watch, but I don't want to get kicked in the face. I just don't. <laughs> like I don't want to deal with the concussions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I wouldn't mind like learning how to kick properly and like doing some bag work or something with, from somebody who could teach me that. But I also know that it's going to take. I mean, if I'm talking to the guys who've been in jujitsu for a while, it's going to take me four or five years of dedicated study mm-hmm. to be able to deal with most people in the world. I mean, that's meaning college wrestlers, anything, like mm-hmm. be able to yeah. deal with most people that I'll ever come across, like 99.9% of people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, for me, it's like, I got to put in that time, but yeah. also it's, it's the camaraderie of like everybody else in the gym. It's like, we're all going through the most difficult thing together yeah. and, it, and, it, and it brings you together. And I love having that community or tribe of people that I can relate to because they know what I'm going through and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's and it's great but again I also know me I'm a lazy bum like I like to sit down and watch movies yeah. and dick around on my phone or blow yeah. off the things that I need to do so it's like if I don't make myself do the difficult things I know that you know I'll just I'll be a huge fat lazy well, slot at least you're self-aware yes I mean because Active or lazy, I think self-awareness is the first step to that. It doesn't matter. You have to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be the most active person, and if you don't relax and enjoy life, I mean, you're lacking. Yes. And you can be the most you know, laid-back person, only living for today, and you know, you ain't got a care in the world. But if you don't force yourself to do some kind of activity, whether it's work or working out or jujitsu or shooting a gun or building something or yeah, any kind of hobby, mountain yeah. biking, skiing, uh, jumping rope, gymnastics, whatever you'd like to do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're lacking that balance. Yeah. But, it, but again, it all boils down to a balance. You've got to have a good balance mm-hmm. in your life. Cause if not, things get lopsided. And when things get lopsided, you know, oh, like, shit like, goes yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, look at your car. Like if something gets lopsided, you could blow out a tire, hurt your suspension yep. or do whatever, or blow up your engine. Like you've got to keep things maintenanced and ready to go. And it's, it's just, it's, it's all about the balance. And I've, I've definitely seen that as I've gotten older. I think hunger is a big thing that, that we no longer have, at least here, you know, most areas within this country, that's a form of adversity that we've eliminated since the advent of electricity and refrigerators, right? I mean, uh, just food in general? Yeah. 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 yeah hunger. Um, I think. Well, uh, I don't know if you mean like hunger, like I'm going to oh, no, accomplish no, no, yeah, things. Or... Uh, no, no, like food. So yeah. up until we had those things, like 
I, th- I believe hunger is a massively good driving force. Um, but now that we have the ability to go our entire lives without ever feeling hungry, because I can just, I got readily available food at all times. Yes. Now, right. Well, it was it like we, we've all heard these stories of people who bring um, like uh, foreign people over, um, maybe like third world country kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and they, and they take them to the park, and and it's like, look at this amazing thing to play on or do whatever. This is awesome. Like, let's go to the water park now and see all this cool stuff. We're gonna go here and like the the, the museum and look at all these amazing things. And like they're trying to show them all these amazing things that we see is like, look at these really cool yeah. things to do. And then they're just like, oh, we're gonna stop by the grocery store and get some stuff before we go home so we can cook dinner. And the kids get there adults or whoever doesn't matter those like people get there and they start crying mm-hmm. like oh my god you guys have all this food yeah like, you, just I sitting could, here i could feed my entire village with just this one row of food that i see like all these calories and most of it's garbage let's be real honest here. oh yeah no, but still like i enjoy the garbage from like uh-huh. what is it joe hogan Absolutely. talks about like the 80 20 rule like 80 percent of the time you got to be good but 20% to 20% of the time you need to fuck off because, again, <laughs> yeah. if you don't, yeah, that's things, good for you. things get a little weird. <laughs> every, every once in a while, you got to remind yourself why it is. There's certain things you Oh, my do. God. I can remember <laughs> a couple of years ago now. It's been years. I was like, I haven't had a, a Big Mac in a long time. I used to love those in like high school and that kind of stuff because I used to say garbage back then. I just didn't know. And, and so I was, like, I was like, I haven't had a Big Mac forever. I had a coupon, buy one, get one. Let's go do this thing. <laughs> so I went there and, and got two Big Macs and a large fry and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, came home and I ate it. And I, I remembered very quickly why I don't eat there. Yeah. I was like, it is dog shit. Like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. tastes horrible. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? I should have gone to the store, bought some burgers, put some Thousand Island dressing on that bad boy, some pickles and some onions. Boom, here we go. Same kind of flavor that I'm looking mm-hmm. for, but it's much better tasting food. Yes, that's but you not, don't get the McDonald's That's experience. not convenient. What experience? Like, <laughs> waiting, waiting in line and not being able to hear right. the people and paying well, too much for crap? Wednesday, I went down to Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky with a friend, and on the way back, we stopped at White Castle in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Somebody just and wanted was to the, shit their pants. Uh-huh. It was <laughs> the White Castle experience that I was hoping for. <laughs> so please do elaborate. So we go in. There's only two people, two customers in there when we walk in. One of them, they're already in the process of handing him his food. And the other one's waiting to place his order. And I think from the time we walked in until we got to place our orders, it was about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Nobody was in a hurry to get anything done. I hate to say it, and that's the most people did not have a clue what was going on. Yeah, but again, that's most people's outlook on work nowadays. Like, well, that's why people are hurting but, so bad. So I remember, and I'm standing there in line, and I remember thinking to myself that, that that exact thing. Like soon, once we got our food and we were walking out the door, I looked at my buddy and I said, "That is exactly why I wanted to come here." <laughs> Because had somebody been standing in line in front of me and started getting pissed, you know, oh my God, you're so slow, you're fucking up the order, whatever, you're in the wrong goddamn restaurant. You don't go to White Castle expecting pristine service and food. No, you go there because you watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, (laughs) probably when you were in college, probably stoned at the time, and you thought it would be hilarious, and now you just suddenly found the opportunity to reenact that little part of your life yes, from years but ago, I right? I completely disagree <laughs> with where you're coming from with this because I expect really? I expect to walk into that place and have a good experience. If I have to wait a little longer, that's fine. But yeah. I, ex- I expect people like Ethan was talking about earlier, like the, the, the three S's. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what was it? Shoveling, scrubbing, scrubbing and sweeping. It's like, I expect somebody to come in. To, if you're there doing a job, do your best job. And it's like, yeah. as soon as they walk in, like, hey, man, good to see you. I'll be with you in a few minutes. I got to tidy this up. Okay, no problem. I'll wait. It's no big deal. But when they're just ignoring you well, and sitting there and doing whatever. Yes, yeah, so let me let me clarify. Like, the, the employees were good. They were okay. just, everything was just slow. That's all. It yeah. wasn't like they were, they weren't, they were not belligerent whatsoever. We ended up bullshitting with everybody. And like, it was just great. We had a fun, fun time. Um, it was just, yeah, they were slow. Okay. But, so again, though, I say that's, that is what I would expect though from White Castle. I'm not going to go into White Castle expecting to get the same kind of service that I'm going to get if I go into a Ruth Chris, you know, I go into White Castle expecting to be a little bit slower. Yeah, maybe but slower is okay. But again, it's like greasy, goofy yeah. looking, they call it a burger. No, I don't <laughs> think anybody really knows what it is. Damn, does it taste good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great but yeah we had a blast down there. i thought it was awesome but then i as like i said as i'm standing there in line i can absolutely picture some other human being standing in front of me going through the same experience and just losing their mind over well, well people oh think, my god this take too mm-hmm. long people know? think that they're so important that everybody else is insignificant to what they have to do mm-hmm. that day it's like what are you in a rush to do I'm going to go home and watch youtube yeah. videos what the fuck are we talking about gonna scroll on instagram look at butts and everybody like, takes things personally Oh, yeah. Everybody's so offended by everything nowadays. It's so ridiculous. There was a uh, a TED Talk that I came across about a month ago, and it's a, a gentleman from Britain. He, uh, I think he's like a semi-professional uh, soccer referee. And his TED Talk is titled, so he, How to He referees not... football, then? European football. <laughs> <laughs> but his, the title of his TED Talk was, um, How to Not Take Things Personally. He said that was what spurred him to get into. I think a lot of people need to watch this video. Oh, it, yeah, it was an incredible video because um, the guy's absolutely right. And I, I mean, I catch myself right. We all do. You're driving down the road, some asshole cuts you off. You know why the fuck did that guy cut me off? Well, he he didn't. He didn't go. Oh man, there's Dennis High. Let me pull out in front of him so he has to slam on his brakes. No, he no. got up in the morning and go, went. Oh shit, I'm five minutes late to work. I need to hurt. Like yeah, human beings are out. For themselves. Absolutely. They only think of themselves. They're not against you. They are just simply there to benefit themselves. Yes. And that's the human nature that we all have to fight. Right. To try to be good stewards for everybody else. I think if we could us. just realize that, though, we start uh, realizing yes. that, oh, okay, that wasn't him personally attacking me. And that if I do feel like it was a personal attack, it's probably because there was some truth to it. If it was something that they said, usually if you get offended, right? Um, I mean, as far as, I'm con- I, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm offended by something that somebody says or does, that is a conscious decision. Well, yes, it's because of how you took it. And there's, and there's always a great way to bring this up to somebody that most people are missing because nowadays, what do they want to do? Yeah, yell, yell and scream, yell and scream or mm-hmm. go on to social media and bitch about it or yeah. whatever. And it's like, and be like, hey, Ethan, like you said this to me and this is how I took it. I don't think this is how you meant it. But this is how I interpreted it. Oh, no. I Can you help it. me work through this? Well, that's fine. In that case, no, then we're going to go outside. We're going to fucking fight. It's no big deal. But it's like, you got to right. be able to bring yeah. it up in that way. But like, hey, you said this. It made me feel this. Mm-hmm. I understand you probably didn't mean that. Please help me elaborate. Like, what did you mean by that? Like, yeah. that's a great way to diffuse the situation. Like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you took it that way. I just meant that you were a big, bald asshole. And like, that's what I was trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I, I do agree with both of those statements. You know, I mean, people have to be willing to forego their ego in order to uh, continue to grow. Yes. You know, and at some point in your life, you're going to meet somebody who's going to disagree, dislike, or disassociate with you for whatever fucking reason. 
and it doesn't matter because I'm fine. I'm completely fine with that. I'm not going to please everybody. And I'm going to do the best I can to try to avoid that. But once I've determined that there's nothing I can do that's going to change this situation of their opinion of me, that's fine. Cool, man. Sorry I fucked it up. You know, rock and roll, peace and love, and have a fun life or whatever. You yeah. Know? You can't. You can't dwell on those things. You know, if I if I was still dwelling on all the things that offended me, I mean, I'd be ten years behind in my life, and I'd still be worrying about that one guy who called me an asshole at the gas station yes. one day. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we all we all obviously struggle with that. Like yeah. you had said, Ethan, it's it's about recognizing that and learning how to deal with it. Yep. Well, and and like Dennis said, you know, it's not about taking things personally. Maybe I was being an asshole, you know. Um, Maybe that guy was justified to yell out his window and tell me what a piece of shit I was that day. Yes, but again, I think that's where the communication comes in handy. It's like, hey, you said this. It made me feel this. And then you could realize, oh, shit. I did say that. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to offend yeah. you. Like that. I apologize. No, and, and that goes such a long way because then you have to have that uh, introspection of like, hey, maybe I need to stop being an asshole when I'm in traffic because I'm already so, or I'm late but, or whatever. Right? Yeah. Who you, knows? Yeah. You told me I was a shithead, and I'm like, oh my god, that's that's a fucked up thing to say, right? If I'm getting mad about it, well, it's probably because there's truth to it. Because <laughs> if if there's no truth to it, then what you said is a complete lie, right? And I have no reason to be offended. Right. If yeah, I am if I point. am getting offended, that's because deep in my subconscious there's a little voice in there going, Yep, he's right. You're a shithead. It's <laughs> definitely a possibility. We're, yeah. We're all definitely. So I, I find myself I try to before reacting to a person, if something does by some crazy reason just happen to offend me, then I try to look at myself first. Like, why did I make that conscious choice to be offended? Because it is a choice. It is. Oh, yeah, it absolutely to be is. Offended. Absolutely, 100% is. Was I, I remember hearing a statement the other day, the other day, years ago, the other day. I think and, that could be yesterday all the way up to like 15 years ago. Okay, yeah, so it was some, the other day. So, <laughs> somewhere in that range probably. You know, they said, if, if somebody spits in your face, what, what does that make you? Most people be like, well, make me mad. Like, well, no, it'll make you wet. Yeah. Like, you get to choose right. how you react to that. Yes. And then that, that's, that's a powerful thing that we all need to get in our minds. Like, yeah. Somebody who spits on me, it is disrespectful, but that doesn't make me mad. I choose to get mad. Yeah. It just makes me wet. So, mm-hmm. well, and there, there was an interview with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was walking down through a crowd of people. You know, I think this is when he was running for governor of uh, California, and some guy threw an egg at him, and the egg hit him and, you know, exploded, and he had egg all over him, so he took his jacket off, and he just kept smiling and kept walking. And at the end of the thing, they asked him, you know, the, what, well, that guy that, you know, what do you think about that guy that threw the egg at you? And he goes, the guy owes me bacon now because you can't have eggs without bacon. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that is such an OG answer. That is such That's a cool so answer yeah. because he made the conscious decision to not to not get angry about it. Get angry about it. And some not, people are shitheads. And you not, gotta let them be shitheads. Well, not only that, but that guy throwing that egg had every intention of ruining that other general, you know, Arnold's day. You know, he had every intention of doing that in an effort to disrupt his pattern, whatever that was. But instead of allowing that to happen, his response was so cool. You know, he's like, no, owes me bacon now. You know, cannot have eggs without bacon. And I'm like, <laughs> my man, that's so damn cool. That's like, awesome. You know, and then you see stuff like that, and, and that's that's that objective thinking, trying to see things from both sides of the coin, you know, or both sides, you know, try to see the 
both sides of that coin. So, Which is the most important part. You need to see it from other people's perspectives, but yeah. also just you know, look at it objectively. Don't, don't get stuck in your own yep. little, little world and let things uh, like narrate yeah. like how you Think dynamically. Act. Yes, you exactly. Need to slow you down and take time to think, though. Yes. I mean, everything these days. If you look at, watch cartoons that are made today versus the cartoons that we watched as a kid, and it's literally just bang, 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 bang. It's, I mean, there, there is no time to think about well, any of it. Well, it's it's well, a, a thing, phrase. But that's, that's that, I think, marketers who say that people's attention spans are only two minutes long because of YouTube videos. If it's longer than that, they're not going to pay attention. But that's bullshit because mm-hmm. look at Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's got the most, you know, influential podcast and popular podcast in the world. And there's three hours long, typically. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a normal episode. It's yeah. like. It's like people are like, well, that's never going to work because people's attention spans are this. You got to say this, do that, what? Like, no, let's calm down, slow down. Because again, that's normal. Like we, I mean, I mean, I love having conversations with people. One of the reasons why I do the podcast. Yeah. Long, like, long form yeah, conversation. I like sitting nice. down with people. Like mm-hmm. nobody's on their phones. Like we're not sitting here distracted or whatever. We're sitting here looking at each other and listening to what we're saying. That's one of the reasons why I would, I'll never do it over like video calls or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I, it needs to be in person because yeah. Yeah. it's such a better dynamic because you can feel other people's intentions. And, but it's just, I think, I think we're all struggling for that. But I, I think that's just marketing's bad idea of like, we need to throw all this stuff at them. It's like, no, like slow things down. Let people think about things. Let, let people have a chance to process things. Like, well, as a market, from a marketing standpoint, though, that is a good thing. I don't want you to be able to think about yeah, I want you to this act, product yeah. because you might end up thinking about the, the ways that it may, maybe not necessarily be negative, but not affect you in a good way, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I, I could just spit these couple of good things out at you real quick, bam, bam, bam. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, buy it. Right? Yeah, but the problem again with that is they're all doing the what instead of the why, right. like Ethan was talking about earlier. Well, the sad part is, is that the what makes more money. Yeah, or I, I don't want to say it makes more money. But it's quicker to make money. Well, it's easier to trick people about it. Oh, absolutely. But that, but that's all that I mean is it's quicker to get the sale, and that's all the the people who are I mean, marketing is just bam, capitalizing yeah. on compulsory. Yes. Um, can't think of the actions basically or yeah. instincts. Compulsory actions or instincts basically is what marketing mm-hmm. capitalizes. Yeah. On. And they they do take. But everything though, that. and that's not just. I mean, when I say that, like that's everything, right? It used to be. If if we were family members, right, and you lived in a different state than I did and something happened to my dad and, well, we need to make a family decision. That decision could not be have made, could not have been made within five minutes where we can today, right? We can all pick up the phones, call each other, boom, this is what's going on. Okay, boom, decision. Yeah, right? The information no. is so abundant It now. used to be that, you know, I would have to travel and then tell all the other family, right? So that, that initial thought or decision that may have popped into my head when this whole scenario started i've had time to think about that over the next couple of days while i'm traveling to alert all the other family members right and i guarantee that that the final decision i make is going to be different from the initial compulsory decision that popped yes. into my head yes we've gotten rid of that time yeah, taken to away. think right and now we're just solely going off of compulsory decisions. And let's let's be honest. There's a reason why these marketing professionals spend millions of dollars on this because it's effective. Mm-hmm. Like it's psychology. It's it's built into us. Like it's it's a human well, nature. And, but and what happens not, when we're talking about like war? You know, governments going to war with each other, right? Because they're able to make that decision so quick now. Whereas a hundred years ago, it would have taken a week. 
right? For all those individuals to have all communicated with each other and to decide, right, are we going to war? And maybe over the course of that week, they realize, okay, this probably isn't the best choice. Whereas now that, that decision could be made so quick that it's expected to be made that quickly and then execute. Well, and, and to caveat off of that, that's reflected in everything that we do because yes, even if yeah. you look at the media. Yeah, I just have a tendency of giving extreme yeah. examples. <laughs> but <laughs> They're effective. It, if you look at even the way that the media is portrayed today, it's not about showing people what is right and what is wrong. The most important thing when it comes to our informational age right now is just being first. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You just have to be first. Yes, this is, it's not about me giving you the facts and letting you form. I feel at least this is how I, I feel like media companies don't want us to be able to form our own opinions. It, it's not conducive to what their action is, which is selling advertising they want, space. Right. They they want our opinion yes. to match their narrative no, that they're it's, preaching. It, it all has to be so. salacious to get you to want to click in or do whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't. I mean, nobody in the mainstream media, especially. Like puts out facts anymore. Again, no. like like you've yeah. been saying, like it's mm-hmm. just about being first. Yep. But it has to be over the top and sensational and crazy and oh my god, look at this! Instead of like, okay, here's what happened. This is what it, this is what went down. This is why it went down. Make up your own mind of what it is. It's not about yep. that anymore, which is sad. I like how. So I, I will force myself to check out media and news organizations that are opposite of my points of view. As you should. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you can't be an open-minded person <laughs> and, then, and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that, right? Um, so, like, I'll follow, like, The Guardian uh, out of Washington, D.C. And you go on their Instagram page, and it drives me crazy because right there on their profile says truth and facts. I think you, you click, you click on anything that they have posted. Uh, like, and the reason I know this is because of a specific article that came up on my feed the other day where I actually ended up going to their website and then reading the full article. And I think there may have been one fact that was within the very first or second paragraph of that six to 12 paragraph article. And the rest was just the, the writer's opinion. Yeah. Now that becomes the issue is that right. it's, it's all based on their so own. You're telling me you're giving opinion. me facts, factual information, but you're not, you, no, you, you're you're giving me the one fact that you formed this entire opinion yeah, to about make, to make us believe what they they're, want us to believe. They're yeah. twisting facts to suit theories instead yes. of twisting theories to suit facts. Yes, it's, so. it's it's scary. It is what it is. I'll tell you what, boyos, we've been rambling on quite long enough here. <laughs> let's yeah. let's hop off here, uh, Dennis. Thank you so much for coming Absolutely, on the show. Man. This was a lot it's of been fun. A pleasure. You are fucking welcome back anytime. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> Good call on us. Instead of uh, postponing today because Jeff couldn't make yeah. it, Ethan's like, let me see if I can get somebody else, and here we are. So this, this was good. This was a lot of fun. I, I had a great I time. I had a blast. Um, yeah. Ethan, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Um, just be good people. Do the be best God. you can. It yes. seems to you be know, the, the theory nowadays. Uh, I, the theme nowadays. You know, I love it. Uh, do the best that you can to be the best that you can. And, um, you know, don't uh, don't let life get you down. Life's ice cream, baby. Yeah. Everything else People is People are so stressed out about everything. It's like, yeah. it's the best time in the world's yep. history to be alive. Worry about you and your loved ones, the people that you truly care about and can make change in their life. That's, that's focus good. on that. That is good advice yeah. Yeah. For, for life in general. That's, I, don't, I don't worry about the shit that goes on overseas. 
Is it bad shit? Well, yeah, I'm not saying that it's not bad shit. Yeah, and it's good to be informed, but, but you can't worry right. about it because yeah. it's out of your circle of influence. Yeah. That's you, right. you can only control yourself. Yeah. So I, I can dig that. All right, well, uh, why don't you plug the shop, let people know where they can get all of you guys and come see you. Yeah, if you guys want to, you can reach out to us uh, personally through, uh, you know, if you're local, you can come down to the shop, the IOF shop, which is uh, 426 East Liberty Street right there in downtown Worcester. Uh, you can give us a call, 330-601-0488, or you can reach out to us online at uh, ioftwtg.com, uh, or feel free to check out any of the social medias, you know, if you're one of those mindless zombies like the rest of us who have it, <laughs> you know, because I'm an idiot and I buy into it. So, uh, you know, you can check us out at uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, both Instruments of Freedom, or... Uh, I don't know. Send us a damn smoke signal, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah, and, and if you are local and you're listening to this and you just want to have a conversation or if there's anything we can do for you, just stop down at the IOF shop and let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can help you. And if you guys are not in the area and you're looking to get some firearms training, there are a lot of shysters out there, Yeah, dare absolutely. I say. So if you're not sure of who to go see, call the guys at the shop. Call them, send them an email, uh, in, uh message on instagram oh, yeah. whatever doesn't matter get a hold of them and they'll be able to look at your area and probably point you to a good direction of where to start yeah absolutely and even if mm-hmm. the conditions are right you want to plan something out i mean we are not opposed to traveling and coming to people as long as a few of our small demands can be met now let's rock and roll it baby it's a- ice cream absolutely <laughs> all right well boyos thank you so much mm-hmm. and we will see you guys next time yeah, love you bye <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up another great episode. It's always good to sit down with Ethan, and Dennis was a great guest. Had a very interesting story, and obviously he was a little bit quiet there in the middle, but then came alive there at the end as well. So I think we will definitely have Dennis back on the show because I really enjoyed talking with him. If you guys are still listening... Thank you so much for your support. I can't tell you what it means to me. It really does mean the world. I I mean, I say it all the time, but I really do appreciate seeing all the views and seeing the downloads and hearing people talk about it and uh, tell me that they're enjoying the guests and that kind of stuff. I really do appreciate that. Uh, If you do want to help support the show, the biggest thing we can do right now is to go out and leave it a five-star review. Uh, That really helps all the listening uh, program software algorithms uh, find the show and then hopefully um, we, we, how do I want to say that um, recommend it possibly to new listeners uh, also you know, share it on social media talk to your friends tell them about it do all that kind of good stuff that would be absolutely amazing obviously you do not have to but I would greatly appreciate it. And obviously, if you want to get a hold of us, please feel free to go to uncensoredhumanity.com and fill out the contact us form, and that will show up right in my inbox. And if you have any questions of uh, about the show or topics you want us to cover, or you have any specific questions that you want to ask any of our normal guests, you know, go ahead and ask those. We will get them back on the show and answer those questions. All right. Well, that is all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.